Warning! The following podcast contains strong language, which some listeners may find offensive. If you do... Up yours! That's only if you don't listen to the podcast. Otherwise, not up yours. Did you know the Untitled Wrestling Podcast is on all of the social media outlets? Give us a like, follow, share, subscribe, or even a review if you're feeling generous. Facebook and YouTube at Untitled Wrestling Podcast. Twitter, Twitch, and Discord at Untitled Rest Pod. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Untitled Wrestling Podcast. It is the AEW Review with me, your boy, Big Tasty, joined by Jay. It is Thursday this week. You know what that means. Uh, how are you, Jay? You all right, mate? Uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm a bit, little bit wrestled out. I've just been... Because of uh, because me and Troy went to a gig before for Bindor, I've kind of watched it in a weird sort of order because I watched Blood and Guts last night, but then I finally like caught up on stuff that I missed. Like I missed the buying because we were on the way home from the gig, uh, I missed Claudio and Saber for most of it because food had arrived and I was getting that sorted out. So I'm, I'm kind of like. I'm just saying to you then, like before we start, I'm a little bit out of sorts, but at the same time, it's been a good week for wrestling. Because um, there's been so much wrestling up. as well. So since we did the last podcast, there's been an episode of Dynamite, an episode of Rampage, a pay per view, and then from the pay per view, the next thing we got was Blood and Guts, which is just madness with, to go to go from a pay per view to like a, a special, like straight away with no nothing in between. Yeah. I'm going to cover all of that on this episode. Yeah, we're going to try and be as, as brisk as possible, but um, I hope you've got a, a, a bit of a journey ahead of you if you're strapping in for this one, because it's going to, it might, it might occupy some time. Get a cup of tea, put the kettle on, pour yourself a cup of tea, and then okay. fill the kettle back up, because this one might take a little while. Yeah, uh, Big Dog's got, some, got himself some coffee ready. I, I very foolishly finished my drink just before I hit record, so I'm in, I'm in danger. I mean, I like you're far from your kitchen. No, I'm, I'm technically in my own kitchen, so it should be okay. Your kitchen. <laughs> I could always just text Sarah to hang, hand me a bottle of water or something halfway through the recording. It's true, it's true. Uh, right then, without further ado, I think we should probably get straight into it. We're going we're to be very brief. Um, so just, just, just to sort of um, peel back the curtain a bit and expose the business, um, going to try and move the AEW podcast back to Thursdays. Just because it's a little yeah. bit more current with what happens on Dynamite, obviously, even the last of the weekend, there's a little, it feels a little bit of a hashing over, you know, old ground. By the time we get around to it, so the the downside of this means that we have to basically do two weeks worth of of, of content in this podcast to bring us back into like the loop. It's like this is like the, the Thanos snap of um, of AEW reviews. <laughs> yeah, it it also means normally we're kind of like on the like when we're doing the podcast, we're on the heels of Rampage as opposed to the heels of Dynamite. Yeah, so Rampage um, will be like the first show we do now going forward as like a little yeah. bush, like a little starter, and then we'll be the main cause of Dynamite. That's like the, the bulk of the podcast. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we've, we'll start, like, I've not seen what, what happens on Rampage yet, but this, the card for this next Rampage is stacked. Yeah, I, so, I know uh, I know who wins the Battle Royale, and I'm really excited. You fucking say a word. I will, I'll tell you nothing, mate, don't worry. Uh, right, we'll get cracking straight into Dynamite then. So this was last Wednesday's Dynamite, so June the 22nd, um, from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 
And oh my, this is how long ago this is. So this this is the one that started with Danielson saying that he couldn't compete at Forbidden Door. That's how far back we're reaching here. Yeah, yeah. That's how far back. <laughs> what's mad about that? That was eight days ago. Yeah, and it feels like about two months because so much shit has happened in the last like eight days. It's nonsense. Tell um, me about it. So obviously, I mean, everyone knows all about this. <clears throat> Basically, he said he couldn't compete. He had a mystery um, opponent who was actually with Junior. Well, he wasn't going to tell us because he came out the bad guy tunnel and he's a bit of a prick. I so the the thing with this is as well is there's as well as the fact that like he was like, Oh yeah, I come up the bad guy tunnel. I'm not telling you shit. There's the, also the other underlying thing that he's not he's not telling like Eddie Kingston, Santana and Ortiz because he's a bit of a dick to them. Yeah, he's not telling them who they're gonna be like, you know, working with. Like uh, yeah, like I love the narrative, but like because of Eddie hates each other, he's just being a passive aggressive little shit to Eddie all the time. <laughs> and then they bring out Zack Sabre Jr., which is weird because he comes out, his music hits, and he comes out, but they don't let him talk on the mic. He just like shouts at Danielson, like down the camera, and that's it. That's that's fine. It just means he's getting more and more angry. Yeah. Which I mean, angry Zack Sabre Jr. is best Zack Sabre Jr., as you've probably seen from his air. His post-match interview after his match against the... Well, we'll, we'll get to that. True. Uh, next up then, we have Moxie cutting a promo saying, I basically just hates Chris Jericho and uh, he doesn't think they're going to be able to survive next week at Blood and Guts. Which, yeah, fair play. Yeah. He's also... He also kind of like... is like, oh yeah, it'll be business as usual between me and Tanahashi, but then after the fact, I'm going to kill him, more yeah. or less. He did. There was a nice line as well. He said, um, "On Sunday, he'll finish his transformation into the wrestler he was meant to be." Yeah, um, he on the uh, Rene Paquette uh, oral sessions. Uh, oh, it's just called the sessions now. Isn't just the oral? They have to stop that because uh, of Max Caster, I think. Oh, really? Well, Max Caster <laughs> when, 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 when when the acclaimed were fighting Kingston and. Um, Moxley, one of his lines was he was going to hit his wife up some, for some horrible sessions, and yeah, I, mean, I think that's, that's probably why they that's probably why they changed the name. Either this, that is, or this, this, this is Renee who admitted on that same podcast she didn't know what BBC meant, and she had to look it up. That's true, um, but yeah, he, he kind of said like he feels like he's been like almost returning back to his, his true self um, since he like came back, and he's not he's not quite hit like his stride yet. But he said he feels like this week's when he's hitting his stride. And I mean, judging by the quality of matches that John Moxley's put on this week alone, I'd, I'd tend to agree with him. He feels massive now, doesn't he? Like, as a as a, as a, as like a part of this company. Yeah, I'm really gutted that he's not in the G1. <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel, because he said, he says, he said, didn't he, in, the, in that interview that he wants to be back, he wants to do the G1 again. Yeah. And I feel like the momentum John Moxley has right now. I, I also feel like if Punk hadn't got injured, that there would, would have been a possibility that Mox would have got in the G1. Yeah. Um, if, if it certainly feels, obviously with Archie going over, there's obviously scope for it to happen. I, I feels like a lot of plans maybe got pulled when everybody started getting hurt. They were like, oh, fuck, no, no one's going to Japan now uh, because we need everybody back here. Yeah. And I, I feel like because the G1 started two weeks, I feel like they could have quite easily written Mox out. By something happening post blood and guts, and then, and then yeah. that would that would have been just Moxley's 
Moxley's off to go on and murder the tour of Japan to kind of resolve his anger. Um, but then I also suppose, like as as you say, with the injuries that that would entail them losing John Moxley for like three weeks. Yeah, and which, I don't think they just can't do that right now. They, they haven't it, got. Yeah, that's no period of time. But when you think yeah, the amount of injuries and the fact that he's the interim cha- champion, well, spoilers, mate. Well, sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, that, that's um, that's a massive void to have, um, especially when AW have kind of like prided themselves on the fact that the champion, even if they don't wrestle every week, they're, they're ever present. Yeah. Uh, right then, we'll move on to the first match of the night, uh, first match of the podcast. Uh, Orange Cassidy and Rapungi Vice. So, is this Orange Cassidy and Rapungi Vice, or is it best friends and, and Rocky Romero? How, 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 how are we? Um, how are we counting this? It, it, it was it was listed as Orange Cassidy and Rapungi Vice because best friends are uh, well, best friends except for Chuck, I think, because of kayfabe reasons, are all part of chaos. Yeah. So. Well, Chuck, when he was in chaos, like got kicked out because he got a best friend kicked out of the World Tag League because <laughs> <laughs> he just got them disqualified and tried to make the Yano. He's most of it in 10 now. It's fine. That's true. That's true. Um, another good show for the Aussie Open, wasn't it? Yeah, so yes, yeah, so this is our interesting Rapongi Vice versus Will Ospreay Aussie Open. Aussie Open are, are amazing. How was this match better than um, the previous one they did with FTR? Um, I personally think it was because because it was better. Yeah, it, well, was more, it was more fun. Yeah, there was two different elements. There was you had Orange in there. It was kind of like he's always like the unknown element to any match, isn't he? Because yeah. you don't know how how he's gonna do orange casty things and how much he's gonna actually try. Um and he, he got the balance very like nice on this. Like um, I th- I think and all, this, this this sort of proved itself on the pay-per-view as well. Like just naturally orange and Osprey have incredible chemistry. Oh god, yeah. Oh god, yeah. But uh, I was gonna say as well, also the the other thing is um I feel like Rapongi Vice and Aussie Open had a little bit better chemistry than FTR and Aussie Open. Yeah. Because uh, Aussie Open or the, uh, well, Aussie Open are a bruiser and a, a high flyer. FTR are two like bruisers. And then you've got um, Rapongi, you've got Trent who's like can do a bit of everything. You've got Rocky who can do a bit of everything. Yeah. So I think they were just a, a bit more of a Bit more, bit more of a natural fit just because they had like complementing styles. Whereas, because FTR and uh, Mark Davis have similar styles, it was very, it was very kind of like slower pace match. In it, not in a bad way, but like, us say, us saying that this match was better than the FTR one doesn't mean we think the FTR. One was oh bad. God, no, no, probably, no! I mean, this was this was like a nine, a, a nine was, and a nine point five. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this was awesome. Um, was this the one where Mark Davis did that murder pile driver on Trent? Yes, yes, it was. Well, he just I, sort of like he just sort of like worried. picked him up like a, like he was going to give him a power bomb. I think it was like shimmied him up and pile drove him like straight away, like without without any sort of like concern for where his head was. He just sort of dropped to his yeah. knees. And it was like oh the, shit. There was the there was the fact as well that like when 
when he like pulled Trent up, there was a moment where Trent was like literally free falling. Yeah. Like he didn't have hold of him at all. He pulled Trent up and Trent was heading to the map head first. I really have enjoyed seeing Aussie Open in AEW. I was really upset that they, they weren't on the Forbidden Door show. And I really hope we see them again. I think I feel it's weird. So I feel like Forbidden Door was a lot of it was building up to the next event, if that makes sense. Mm. And um did you see what Takami Abari said about uh, Forbidden Door 2? This is only one to have in Japan. He said the next one he wants to have, he thinks is going to happen in Japan and he thinks it's going to happen. Uh, like He thinks it should happen in the 50th anniversary year for New Japan, which is this year. So right. I wouldn't be surprised if like September we get another one of these. Isn't it or maybe year? October. The 50th year? No, it's this year. Oh, yeah, 1972. They had the they had okay. the 50th anniversary show. Uh, right, yeah, do it in uh, between. Do it in between, like um, all out and full gear. Like, perfect. Yeah. And end, end of September, start of October is like a perfect time to do it. Yeah, I'd say because you've got you've got Grand Slam, haven't you? Like that's the 21st of September. Well, you just you just wait till Punk's back. You wait till Brian's back. Right, Kenny might not be back, but. Mm. Like, I, don't, I don't know to be honest I think, some of them. like I think one thing that was like we'll we'll go over it a bit more when we talk about the structure of the card for um, Forbidden Door but there was a lot of a lot of stuff where there was people like for example the factory were in like two matches yeah. and I know a lot of people who aren't overly familiar with like New Japan were like why but the factory have been doing a lot of stuff in New Japan Strong so it's a good way to kind of keep eyes on New Japan Strong and it's people who, like, the New Japan audience might be familiar with. Um, right. But, yeah, I, I think I do think that uh, Aussie Open were very hard done by not being on that card. But I think I think they're definitely going to be featuring down the line. They, they really made a, a great impression in these little few matches they've had. I didn't know who the fuck they were when they first came out. Like, I didn't know the hole in the ground, but, like, they've really... Mm. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan now. I'm a real fan. Well, Pete... Uh, they they were quite uh, heavily featured on um, in Rev Pro because that's where they originally got like joined the United Empire Empire because oh, okay. Osprey wasn't he was like run, he was having his runners well he still is the Rev Pro British champion but because he was having his run Rev Pro he needed people to join uh, uh, the United Empire so he got Aussie Open along with him um, so I've I've seen bits of them I've never I've not like seen a, a ton of their work but. Yeah, from from seeing them in AW for sure, I'm really excited for what they can do. And also, um, speaking of Forbidden Door dream matches, there's one that's going on in PWG on Saturday, I think, or Sunday, um, which is the Kings of the Black Throne versus Aussie Open. Yes, that'll be that that'll back. So when when that gets put on um, on IWTV in about six months. I'll be looking forward to checking that out. Yeah, that'll be a good time. Uh, right then, next up, we had a quick promo. Jay Lethal basically calling out Samoa Joe. Says he either needs to defend the title or vacate it. Joe's been away. He's filming something, isn't he? Is he filming Twisted Metal? Yeah. So that's why he's not been. Um, we'll, 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 we'll sort of address this now because it, it goes on through a few shows. Uh, basically, they're, they're, they're setting up Joe Lethal, aren't they? At Death of Hood, is on it? 
Yeah, there's two matches that have been teased to death before this honor so far, and that's uh, Joe versus Lethal and Cage. Three, sorry, we'll get... uh, no, um, Daniel Garcia versus Willie Utah. Oh, right. I know they're doing something with Cage and Gresham and something as well, aren't they? Yeah, well, it, it, they're either doing Cage and Gresham or they're doing Gresham, Cage and Moriarty as a triple threat. Yeah. Uh, Moriarty's involved. I, just, I mean, I just, just give Moriarty and Gresham half an hour and let them fucking go. Yeah, if it's anything like the match they had in PWG, it was fucking slow. They had like a 25-minute match in PWG and it was just, it was just awesome. Yeah. All right, next up then... Another match that I would have liked to see Gresham have would have been Takeshita. Yeah, oh god, yeah. But, but that's just that's just been announced for the uh, Terminus three two days before. Oh nice. Fair. So that'd, I'm that'd fucking buying that now. <laughs> uh, right then, next up we have the Christian Cage promo. Oh, this was so good. So yeah, this is this is this was this was superb. I mean, I'm not gonna go into all the bits and bobs. It was it was phenomenal. Go and watch it. It's up on you know, YouTube on the in, in full. He put it in its entirety, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it was just the fact that he was like, he he was constantly sort of like just 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 skirting the line of is he going to go too far here? And then he fucking did. And, and, he, it, he, and he, then he, he tied it all back to the bottom row as well, didn't he? So it all like made sense as well, which is quite cool. Yeah, like, which was, um, I think we spoke about it last week, didn't we? Yeah. I'm pretty sure we spoke about it on the last podcast where we were like, this has literally been built from that from that battle royal when Jungle Boy cost Christian and it's been just bubbling away and it's like, when's, when's Christian going to... And he, he, he did, he, he was literally like twirling his moustache, revealing his whole evil scheme of how he was going to ride Jungle Boy's coattails and make a load of money and Jungle Boy stopped winning. That's it, the gravy uh, train ran dry when he stopped winning when he lost the belts. Uh, and then he basically said, yeah, your mum wants, wants me to be a father figure to you, but you've got a dad and he's dead. Yeah. Like, and oh, he's, he's like, I'll be dad. And, and he's like, say the jungle boy's mum call me. He's like, fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Luchasaurus comes out, starts like choking him in the corner. And then Christian, you hear Christian like off mic shouting, remember what I did to Marco? That was, oh, that was like, that was was it remember, remember what happened to Marco? It's basically implying that he he somehow got Marco like kicked out of AEW. Thinking K. Well, that that was yeah. Well, that was the thing, wasn't it? As soon as Christian kind of come along, Jurassic Express Marco just disappeared. Yeah, and then, like even to even to the point where like AEW weirdly like unpersoned them, like they just don't even reference and they don't mention them. Yeah, he was never there apparently. Yeah, it's like okay, that, that's. Very weird, but sure, why not? Um, and then Jungle Boy whispers something. Uh, sorry, Luch- uh, Christian whispers something in Luchasaurus's ear, and they just both leave. So it's like he's, he's got some sort of hold over him. He's got he's got he's told him something that like is making him complicit, com- compliance, and like making him not want to murder him, basically. Or he's pointed out like that he's, he could have said something like. It wasn't like he said something short. He was like, he was like bargaining with him, wasn't he? Yeah, he was offered like he was offering him something, like, maybe, or he was, yeah, yeah. I, I reckon he's probably just said, "Oh yeah, Jungle Boy was using you to get to where he was. You're the star of the team, sort of thing." Yeah. 
Uh, right, then next up, we had an announcement for Forbidden Door, which was that the Young Bucks uh, were rejoining the Bullet Club for one night only, and they were going to take on uh, Shingo, Sting, Darby, and Takahashi. Well, don't worry about it. So it, it ended, the match ended up being the Bucks and El Fantasmo versus Sting, Darby, and Shingo, which was fucking incredible, and we'll talk about it in a sec. But yeah, uh, Takahashi couldn't travel to the US because he had a fever. Which, I, as I put on Discord, how do you differentiate between Takahashi without a fever and Takahashi with a fever? Because he is a fucking fever. Um, it's got to just be a temperature, hasn't it? Because <laughs> it's like, oh, he's he's fucking delirious. No, no, it's just Takahashi, mate. That's how he is. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. He's the, he's the cat guy, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the guy we saw in that Fatal 4 away with him. Um... With uh, Kashida, Dalton Castle, and Redacted. Nobody else. Yeah, nobody else. Yeah, Castle's boys. Hey, right then. Next up, we had our final qualifier for the All Atlantic title for me match, which was Manahai Black versus Penta Oscuro. And uh, this was just bloody good fun, wasn't it? These two, these two can't have a bad match singularly. And when you put them together, it's always mm. a, a good time. I quite like the fact that, like, because obviously, because of Andrade, they like kicking off about the whole AAA thing. Um, it, it was it was very much like, oh yeah, well Malachi is absolutely winning this because yeah, not going to be allowed to wrestle on the we show. We kind of knew who was going to win this because we knew the Lucha Brothers couldn't be on the show. But they did a really good job of kind of suspending your disbelief with that. Like like there was um just just pensive beating the living shit out of Malachi for a great deal of the match. And one thing that, um, one thing that, because Malachi's not done a lot of single stuff since the House of Black became a thing, and he's been more of a kind of leader figure, hasn't he? So you, you actually almost forget like that he yeah. was really fucking go and just kick people really hard, and it's really good fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, which is is insane to say about Malachi Black. Like, he, he's such a good wrestler, but as you say, like because he's been embroiled in this, like, this trio's feud as well, and like he's kind of took a backseat to kind of showcase Brody and Buddy. You do forget like just how good he is. Yeah. Still, he's in there with like Penzer and he's just kicking the bejesus out of them. Yeah, super fun match. Penzer absolutely ate a uh, blackout, which was lovely. And yeah, happy oh, days. Yeah. Malachi moves on. Um, next up, oh, Miro had that fucking fire promo, didn't he? After that. Yeah, so after, straight after the match, Pat comes down and he's like, he's checking on Penza and then he like stares down Malachi and then Miro just comes on the screen and he's like, I'm going to take you all to the river and baptize you. Yeah, he's like, you might drown, you might not, I don't know. Yeah, say so, uh, when when you see God, see my God, tell him I'm looking for him. <laughs> so yeah, that Miro's was lovely. A uh, little quick Wardlow video package, basically he's going for the TNT title. Again, we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. Um, Adam Cole's out on commentary. It's Adam Page versus Silas Young. Match was fine. It's not the big thing we're going to talk about in this segment. I mean, I, I said to you, I think, oh. when we were watching it, the one thing I really liked with this is, like, so Silas Young's gimmick is he's, like, the last real man, isn't he? He's, like, a man's man. He's, like, big, I'll, big. you know, I'm a real man. I do all this. He's, like, and Adam Page's whole, like, sort of gimmick is that, no, I'm, I do talk about my feelings and I am like, you know, sensitive yeah. and I am like, I take care of my mental health and I, you know, I make time for it. And so it was like toxic masculinity versus like 
it's okay not to be okay. And it was a really nice sort of, yeah. um, like the, the, the outlooks on life are totally different. It was a really nice dynamic between the two of them. Yeah, what what kind of did like it got touched on on commentary, but it didn't get touched on a lot on commentary. Was that these two have had like had like a massive feud and ring of honor over the TV title? Yeah, um, as well. And like Silas, Silas had always got the better of Hangman. Hangman had never beaten Silas, which it, Excalibur touched on it a little bit, but not a ton. Well, he's a different Hangman now in AEW. He's a, he's a, he's a better person. He's a different person. He's matured. He's grown. He's a better competitor. <laughs> He's being used. That ring of honor should have used them. <laughs> he's, he's not. He's not. He's not jobbing out to Kenny King in the fucking dark match. No, but no. Um, Silas was was decent as well on this. He, he had a, he had a good match. Yeah, that's great. I do like Silas. He, he he kind of almost whiffed that springboard moonsault at the end, but he, he just about managed it. And uh, yeah. Pay nailed with a bookshop for the win, which was lovely. Uh, not not the, not the biggest talking point of this segment, however, because uh, afterwards, um, Adam Cole comes out, Jay White interrupts him, and then they basically run into the ring to batter Hangman. And it, there's a bit, there's a, a little bit where it looks like Cole's going to nail White with the belt. Yeah. And he has to sort I, of, love, he has to I sort of explain it away. He's like, oh, no, no, not you. I was going to hit him. And yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I love that Jay turned around like, what the fuck you do? <laughs> he's like, get him up, get him up. <laughs> yeah, because at that and point, like, because Paige is on the floor and like, um, White's standing over him and Cole's got the belt behind him. I was thinking, like, like, it looks like he's going to hit Jay White. Jay, like a flicker on him. Yeah, and so yeah, Cole's down. And, like, But it looks like, um, sorry, Paige is down, but it looks, the only person standing is, Paige, is uh, White. And so it looks obviously like Cole's about to hit him. And then he's like, oh no, pick him up and I'll hit him with the belt. I'm like, well, why are you really, like, no, don't worry about it. Yeah. So anyway, as they're about to do mm. that, something we've been—I mean, is fantasizing the right word? I think it might be something we've been literally trying to well into this. Well, um, since, since the formation of AW, we've all said what's going to happen when the coin drops, and the answer is the fucking yeah. roof comes off. Oh my god, that that pop was fucking nuclear. That was like. That was up there with like the pops that Eddie gets, that Mox gets. It was, it was like just, it was like, like one level below Punk, I think. Below like debut and Punk. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because nothing, nothing, say, nothing, nothing, like, nothing tops that, but like it was, it was not far off. Like no. people, people were like losing their goddamn shit. Like people were going insane. I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah, if you're there like, in the building for the first time, a Carter walks out to an AEW ring. I think, I think what was good about it as well was like the previous week because Cole had said a Carter's not going to show up, mm. and Tony Khan had said like in the press conference, "Oh yeah, we, I knew I didn't have a Carter to like the go home show." Um, so I had to kind of get creative with how I was going to like sort of quell people's expectations but to the point where well, when he did show up everyone's yeah, we said we said didn't we the week before like last week we said look this Cole's too much this is too much mustache twirling it's like Cole's too smug about all this yeah. there's no Akada Akada's oh, absolutely turning up like the yeah the way I looked at it was Hangman isn't gonna mention a car that if he isn't gonna be facing off with a car at some point like you know, within in the near future, so whether it was Hangman Akada singles match or whether it was 
a four-way like it was or whether it was a triple threat, Hangman was always going to be facing off with the card the second you mention them. Yeah. And anyway, so this sets up a four-way match for Forbidden Door, Cole, Page, Carter and White for the IWGP title. Lovely stuff. Um, next up, we had a really a couple of really fun quick promos, one with the baddies and Stokely basically saying that um, Velvet's hurt and they're looking for a new baddie, the baddie search. And then you had a, um, an, a sort of conflicting promo between with Chris Statlander and Athena basically mocking them and, and like mocking the, them looking for baddies. And yeah, it was really good fun. Yeah. It let Statlander show off a bit of character work, which was really nice. She doesn't really get a chance to do that an awful lot. Yeah, especially because she went from being alien to like to just angry goth girl. I mean, we, we all like the boops and we all like the, you know, but I, I actually like that Statlander's got a bit more, she can dig into this character a little bit more and like, you know, actually have a bit of, do a bit more speaking and get herself across a bit better. Yeah, I think as well, uh, making her stand out from the kind of pack, so to speak, like, fair enough, that alien thing, it, it, it was over as hell, but it only goes so far, doesn't it? Yeah, that's it. There's, Where, there's, there's, more, there's a bit more mileage on just badass kid Chris Statlander who's going to beat the shit out of you. Yeah, because let's face it, she's probably one of the best women's wrestlers they've got. She's definitely one of the most over as well. Like, she basically turned Ruby Soho yeah. here when she beat her. Yeah, the fact, the fact that even though, like, we all want to see Athena versus Jade, I think there's more of an argument to do Chris versus Jade first. I think there's, I think there's and a, then, I think there's a an, an argument to say that you have Chris beat Jade, and then that leads to Athena turning on Chris because she stole her spotlight. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's gonna happen. I'd love to see that. They will they'll, 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 they'll have Athena beat her, but I'd love to see Chris get get rid of Oh yeah. I, my my prediction is that they're gonna have. Chris versus Jade at All Out and then that'll hopefully get Jade up to 49 and up and then 34, 36 she's on 34 now at time of recording so that that realistically she does like I I assume they're they're including like tag matches in in that as well so realistically, if she does, uh, she could do a lot of dark matches, can't she? And like rampage and, and all sorts. Yeah, yeah. Just do matches like she did on Blood and Guts, where it's just like an open challenge. She murders them in like two minutes, and then she wants better competition. Yeah. Um. Get get it so she get it so she like maybe it's like forty five or forty eight is Chris at um all out and then at Grand Slam have it that it's 50 and 0 versus like versus Athena winning the TBS title yeah it gives Jade like a big meaningful like first reign which I mean arguably I think Jade's first reign with this belt has been more compelling than uh, the women's world title yeah oh yeah absolutely since the turn of the year, like I think Brit's Brit was starting to like fizzle out a bit. Um, well, I, think just, I think just with with the TBS title being new and with it being featured so heavily on TV, 
it has just sort of taken over. Like you say, there's not been much direction for the for the main title. So like you say Brit was sort of like coming towards naturally coming towards the end of her reign and like Thunder Rosa hasn't really, you know, kicked off to full speed with her reign. She's been a bit stop start with her sort of appearances and whatnot. Whereas Jade's just been there every week. Even yeah. if it's just even if it's just a promo telling Tony to fuck off, she's just been doing something, you know, every week. Yeah. Um but I think I think as well it just kind of speaks to like how much of a star Jade is. Yeah. I mean like if, that, you, if you I, I love I love Thunder Rosa. I think she's a fantastic wrestler. I think she's she's really good for the oh, company. Yeah. But if you want to talk about somebody who can make themselves noticed, you compare her to Jade. There's no there's no debate about who wins that in terms of who you pay attention to. It's Jade. Mm. She's such a massive oh, yeah, personality I mean, that she just takes over the entire women's scene when she's on when she's about. Yeah, like she she looks like a fucking action figure. Mm. Like she she's become like a really good talker. She's got Stokely. she's got like the she's got Stokely Hathaway now, which just covers up any kind of like weakness that she might have talking. And she's a she's got like the presence of like a megastar. Yeah. Which is the th- which is the thing which like as I say. Love Thunder Rosa. She's got an amazing image. She's got great wrestling skills. But the the one thing that she does not necessarily have is like she's she's got the if factor, but she's not got like the speaking skills mm. because she just kind of when she does cut a promo, she just does kind of just ramble on a bit, doesn't she? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just that when it just start shouting, um, but. Yeah. That, that's not in the Thunder Rosa either. Thunder Rosa is fucking excellent. Like, she really is. It's just a shame um, that Jade is like a, a, a once in a lifetime package, basically, isn't she? Yeah. It, it's it's kind of like when in WWE they had, they had like the Rock and Austin like bubbling under the services in like the Intercontinental title picture. And then in like the world title picture, it was like, Sure, Michael's just kind of holding the belt, waiting for Austin to be ready. Yeah. And that, that's what it kind of feels like. Like the arse end of like 97 going into 98, just at, like after the Montreal screw job, where it was like, all right, we know that Brett's just gone. We know that um, Sean's going to be losing that belt to Austin somewhere down the line. We just don't know when. And that that's what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Right then, moving on. Uh, we'll have to fly through these last two matches. We're going a bit long here. Um, Tony Storm versus Marina Shafir. Oh, yeah. Really fun. Uh, Marina Shafir's best match probably so far. She keeps getting better. Yeah. Uh, Nyla gets involved Tony's, as well. Nyla gets involved mm-hmm. as well. Um, Tony reverses the pump handle for the win. Uh, obviously, Tony's going on to fight Thunder Rosa at the Forbidden Door. But yeah, really, really fun match. Um, you know, so just, Tony, Tony just just a quick one. Do you think we're getting women's tag titles soon? I think so because they're doing a lot of tag stuff, aren't they? Especially with um, Serena but, and like, uh, Mercedes on dark and stuff. Yeah, and they've had they've got like the baddies. They've had like Nyla and um, Nyla and Marina. They did have Nyla and Jade for a little bit, didn't they? As well, tagging together. Yes. So I I can see it. I can certainly see it happen. Even even Athena and Chris Statlander. Yeah, they've got like a really decent women's roster now that they could they could start to exploit that with some more belts, which would be nice. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, right, then we'll move on to the main event. Moxley and Tanahashi versus Chris Jericho, Lance Archer. Again, just really big, dumb fun, wasn't it? Um, Sammy was fucking around yeah. in there. Ty was fucking around in there. Yeah, just just aces. Really, really, it, pun intended. Yeah, it, it was essentially just Lance Archer just getting the fucking shit beaten out of him at the end by Mox and Tanahashi, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it, it I mean, like obviously... Like, Obviously, Archie you know, was here to eat the pin because none of the other guys are oh, yeah. taking a loss here. Also, big credit to Tanahashi with a height he got on that sling blade. Yeah, that was a beautiful. I mean, that used to be one of his finishes in the back of the day, and you can tell he's it's something he's been doing for a long time. Yeah, you really nailed that. Like I said, I think I said on Discord, like with respect to Britt Baker, like that's how you do a sling blade. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Not that it's bad, just that that was like that was like an art, that was like a piece of art. Watching that, like Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, match Mox, match ends. Well, Mox is just like, Mox hits a paradigm. Mox hits a paradigm Ty shift. Hits a... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a high it's a high fly flow on, on Archer, obviously, and yeah. Um, I mean that's that again. This isn't this isn't the main talking point of the serpents. What what happened after this was is, is the is the interesting thing. Yeah. Well. It, it was literally just like what, like Sammy gets involved, like starts bra- uh, brawling with Mox, doesn't he? And then Eddie comes down, starts going after Jericho. Um, with Utah, and yeah, Utah, made the granddad, Shota, all come down, um, all brawl around the ring, and all all while. Mox and Tanahashi are standing there like statues, just staring each other down, just like flexing on each other. Yeah, but like it, it's the point where it was like literally like everyone was there was all this chaos around the ring, but everyone was transfixed on like the stare down, waiting for them to start kind of like throwing hands, and he didn't. I mean, at one point, uh, I think like Suzuki put a popcorn bucket over Shooter's head and just started battering him. Oh, Yuta said, Yuta said, yeah, and just started battering him. Um, yeah. Eddie Kingston just like was just trying to he made a finger on the sand rampage just trying to murder Jericho it was it was really fun yeah I, I love I love the whole like kind of there's like an underlying narrative to the whole Blood and Guts feud where because it it got to the point where like because Blackpool Combat Club got involved that it was almost like more about Blackpool Combat Club and less about Eddie and Jericho even though that was like kind of like the catalyst of the feud and I love yeah. the whole thing where like Ed literally is like consumed by it at this point. And like it's it's all that matters to him as he wants to hear Chris Jericho. Yeah. Uh right then, moving on to Rampage real quick. We'll uh, we'll skip the ups and downs, the highs and lows, because we'll save it for the pay-per-view in Blood and Guts, I think. Um so Rampage opened with Andrade versus Phoenix, which is never gonna suck, like ever, is it? And it really didn't. Uh th- this could have been on the sh- on the pay-per-view, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, the match we did well, get, the match we do, we were supposed to have, which we did get, would have been Andrade versus Will Ospreay, which would have absolutely fucked. It would have, but I'm not mad that we got Ospreay no. and Orange because they had probably the match of the night. Yeah, this this was fantastic. It was 18 minutes of just everything these two guys are good at, and it was really cool because, like, obviously Andrade is much bigger than Ray Phoenix, can kind of lash him all over the place, but he can also flip about like a madman. So there was just. Infinite jumpy flippy bits, but also every now and then Andrade gets doing mad power shit on Phoenix, which was great. 
Yeah, and one thing as well was the pace of this match really didn't let up. No. Like they were literally they were literally going like full throttle for the whole like eighteen minutes of the match. Yeah, once From, again like, start of once again the big talking point happened towards the end. Um Alexander Hantes took out Jose when he was trying to cheat. But then it was a it was a double swerve because Roosh appeared and attacked Phoenix. Yeah, well, so Andrade misses the running knees against the ring post, doesn't he? And Phoenix yeah. is just kind of like collecting himself at ringside as Andrade. He's like in the ring. And then Roosh just surprised motherfucker them. Yep. Batters him on the outside, throws him in. Andrade hits the hammerlock DDT, which looks like actual murder. Yeah. And yeah, that's he just, it. He like just kicked Keen Phoenix really hard in the dick. Yeah. After the match, um, Andrade and Rouge put on their Icobanables t-shirts, which are available now from shopaw.com. They look fucking the lovely. Fact, the fact which is an interesting thing in itself, because that was the name of Rouge's version of Los Icobanables in Ring of Honor. Oh, right, okay. So that makes me think that. This was a very Ring of Honor episode of Rampage. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Make, it makes me think that um, that these two are possibly going to be getting involved in the tag team title picture in Ring of Honor. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really good fun. Uh, it looks like they're going into a, going into a program where it's going to be Andrade and Roosh versus the Lucha Bros, which, yeah, fucking sign me up for that. Yeah, I, uh, Roosh uh, steals Phoenix's mask. Um, Penta runs up after them all with the shovel. Yeah. Um, then you've got a quick Eddie, Eddie Kingston promo, um, basically hyping up Forbidden Door and Blood and Guts, and, and then he basically threatens Jericho with actual violence, which is fine. Um, he, he said, he, and I quote, "I've always wanted to know how a coward's blood tastes." Yeah. A little little two pack reference in there as well, saying. Um, Cowards die a thousand deaths, but soldiers die at once. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee are backstage. Uh, Swerve's trying to like, keep Keith Lee happy. He's moving it all over. And Lee basically says, yeah, as long as we keep winning, we're fine. But presumably if we lose, you get a bathroom. So. I think this is... What's interesting about Swerve and Keith is that you don't know who's going to turn on who in now. Yeah, like, it's... It's just there's, there's just there's just no he, trust left, is it? It's fully broken down. Like you're expecting one of them to do well, something. That, so the thing is, when like Swerve initially made the save for Keith, he came out with the chair and he looked like he was going to murder everybody. Like the look on his face, he looked like he you could you could see he was like he he had bad intentions when he come down with that chair, and then he kind of like shakes hands with Keith, and Keith's just like, oh shit, <laughs> and then like. When he turned on Keith in the Battle Royal, Keith like fuming, and then now Swerve's just like, oh, come on, mate, come on. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're interested to see where that goes. So, um, it is. Yeah. Next up, then, uh, to, to go back to what you just said about women's tag team belts, we've got the, again the team of Mercedes Martinez and Serena Deeb against Lady Lock and Sierra. Um, yeah, basically a squash match. Um, but then they do that thing they've been doing it a lot in every match so far where they both put in the fit their submissions at the end and um, get the tab out which is nice it's just definitely building something here aren't they I'm intrigued to see where it goes maybe like I, you, said about, you said about Ring of Honor like this does seem like a Ring of Honor thing doesn't it I think they're going to do Serena versus Mercedes if that's before Dishonor oh that'd be yeah that'd, that'd be nice 
I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Serena beat Mercedes for the ROH women's title because it seems like it seems like they've got a lot more stock in Serena than Mercedes. And I feel like Mercedes is just kind of she was just like the kind of like um person to take the belt off Diana Perazzo in the first place. Yeah. Because the 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 ROH women's title has been like well since ROH went on hiatus all the way to um all the way to like Tony buying ROH, it's been like the one belt that uh, has really been in has really been in flux. Um because like they had they had Roxy win it and then obviously she got signed by WWE so they had to get it off her so they just changed hands at, at the uh, impact show where Deanna won it and it's like oh we, we didn't have any plans to use Deanna so now we need to get it back to Tony's ROH yeah. so I, I think it, I think this is like them taking the long way around to get it onto Serena Divas like who's going to be like kind of their sort of like flagship women's champion for like the, the first the first one that like becomes like a memorable women's champion for them yeah fair uh, after that we had that promo we talked about earlier with Gresham Tully Cage Moriarty which is all set up for Death for Dishonor so that'd be nice uh, after Fucking that manjo. after that we had Hook versus well, the, the DKC yeah what was interesting just to go back sorry to the uh, thing with ROH there was Tully initially was like he was with Gates of Agony, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, with Khan and um, Tower, and I think he's hyping them up, and then Brian Cage comes along for like the next thing. But it sounds like it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be Gresham and Moriarty versus Gates of Agony. I think they'll do that before the pay per view. I don't think they, I don't think they'll do a Ring of Honor show and not have Gresham defend the belts. I no, I thought, I thought that it was going to be. Um, on Blood and Guts mm. or Rampage. I think they'll do it on a Rampage before Death for the Sonor, definitely. And then the, the main event, I think, will be Cage v. Gresham v. Moriarty, maybe, like you said. Yeah, I reckon, it, I reckon it'll be on Dynamite next week. Oh, possibly, yeah. Because they yeah. haven't announced the thing. No. Uh, right, next up, then, yeah, Hook versus DKC. Hook just bodies and basically uh, wins in like a minute and a half. It's great. Nicely hook looking strong. Interesting that the the sort of distancing hook from Dan Howes a bit now. Yeah, which I think I think with Dan Howes and it's good that they're kind of just getting them all like these kind of like meme teams that he's like everyone that he's that when he was trying to get signed by AEW that he interacted with on Twitter. Mm. So hook, um, like the Ask Boys, the Acclaimed. I think as well with with the roster being. So depleted it with all these dreams, then maybe thinking about putting the rocket on hook and getting them up to like a proper singles competitor sort of level as well. He'd be be a hell of a first challenger for Pac for the uh, all answer. He would be actually. I mean, that'd be what a, what a way to have. I mean, that wouldn't be a bad first loss, would it? I was gonna say, and it doesn't hurt hook if like he gets. If he gets like murdered by Pac. No, he's got to lose at some point. And yeah, what a, that wouldn't hurt him at all, as you said. Oh, yeah, you got me thinking about that now. That'd be great. Yeah, right, then we'll move on to yeah. the main event, uh, which was an absolute treat, wasn't it? Uh, Cash Wheeler versus Jeff Cobb. I mean, anytime you get to see Jeff Cobb wrestle on AW television is a good time. I'm 
I'm liking that we're getting more singles action for FTR as well. Yeah. More specifically, Cash, because I, the thing with FTR is they're very much like the very they're very much like symbiotic in the sense that they both work because both of them are as good as each other. Yeah. And obviously, Dax has been getting the opportunity to showcase how good he is as a singles wrestler. Um quite a lot this year whereas Cash has only had like two singles matches so it's nice to see Cash like being able to show that he can he can hang on his own just as much as Dax can yeah I mean he had a good match um, and he, he had a couple of chances to, to put Cub away but couldn't quite I mean he got a tour of the islands in the end didn't he and that was that was it no one's kicking out of that no one kicks out of the tour of the islands no one such a great finisher. Yeah. yeah, really fun match. Yeah. Uh, it was it was great because like Cash was trying to like was obviously hot uh, Cobb's fucking massive and Cash was just trying to work around him and like sort of play smart and and Hobbs, uh, Cobb was just powering him everywhere, just roughhousing him, which was great. Yeah, Cobb, Cobb is literally like a murder cube. Yeah, he is a literal um, murder cube. He's like um he's like yeah. anger from Inside Out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this this was this was great. It really was. Um and I again it's more that what happened after Yeah, so after the match, is... all the United Empire come down for a big fight. Then Dax comes out to help. Orange Cassidy Rapongi Rice come out, there's a big brawl. And in the middle of all this, Eddie Kingston just chooses violence and just runs out and blasts Jericho at the announce table. Yeah, so like Jericho's talking on the like the on the commentary, like going, ah, oh, the laser control, and then like Eddie Kingston comes up and starts choking him with the like cable. <laughs> they start brawling through the crowd. And then it, it's it it was great because every time Jericho lost Eddie Kingston, Eddie Kingston just surprised motherfucker. So like <laughs> yeah, he just kept coming back like out of like, nowhere. Yeah, he lost them in the crowd. And then as Jericho gets back into like he goes through the barricade and like all the baby faces start attacking Jericho. Like Trent started attacking him and then Eddie gets him again. And but it's mad gets... because like he keeps going back, trying to go back to the conference table, which is stupid because that's the one place Eddie knows to look for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh so yeah, like he uh he, he's walking around the ring, FTR attacking him, uh Rapongi are attacking him, Orange keeps attacking him. As he's he's like finally getting up the ramp, Eddie just dives like from the crowd onto him, which I don't know how he managed to make that jump because I've never seen Eddie Kingston get that much height on anything no. before. It was I but think it was he was just he was just powered by pure hatred at this point. Yeah, and like he's beating the shit out of him on the ramp, and then he gets pulled. Eddie gets pulled away. Jericho goes to the commentary table and starts like say like screaming about Eddie Kingston, and he gets him again. <laughs> And then takes his headset off and he's like, I'm going to kill you, Chris. Wasn't he like screaming at um, like Excalibur to give him a pen? And Excalibur was like, there's no pens left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at, at the first part of it, he steals Taz's pencil and stabs Jericho in the head with it. Yeah. And then he comes back and he asks Excalibur for another pencil. And Excalibur's like, you've used all of our pencils. <laughs> <laughs> I think this might have been my, my favorite like crazy brawl to send home a, a pay-per-view ever. It just came out of nowhere. There was no one else from that match involved in anything. It was all to do with the United Empire, best friends in FTR. And then all of a sudden, Eddie King's just like, well, if shit's breaking down, I'm, I'm having Eddie a moment Eddie King's just like, well, they're choosing violence, so am I. <laughs> but again, it, it just completely makes sense for Eddie. It gets Eddie more over. 
Oh, I mean, the pop when he came out was, as always, fucking enormous. It was great. I, every time Eddie like dived on Jericho, though, I was like, "This is fucking brilliant. This is, this is my favorite thing." As I say, Jericho when he was trying to get away, and as he's trying to walk around the ring, and all the baby faces just keep attacking him. Yeah. Dude. Right then, moving on to Forbidden Door. Uh, we Forbidden all... Door. Forbidden Door. Well, um. Well, very, very quickly below through the buy-in um, because it was fun, but it wasn't particularly um, consequential. Um, we had Yoshihashi and Haruki Kotu destroying Aaron Solo and QT Marshall, which was nice. Yeah, that was that was just basically for what's going to be happening on Rampage, isn't it? Uh, QT did a cartwheel into a dive over the ropes, uh, a move that I described to Sarah as adequate. <laughs> you see, also did a uh, like. A slow motion handspring, like Enzigiri. Yeah, <laughs> I love QT. He's, he just doesn't give a fuck, does he? He's just he's just living his best life. Well, well to be fair, like the finish involved him going for a fucking four fifty splash. Yeah, which fair play to him. Yeah. And eat shit on it, but still, and getting the murder. <laughs> yeah, one one takeaway I did that from that was I think Aaron Solo would be like a great fit and like best of the Super Juniors or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, next up, then we had the Ass Boys and Max Caster and Billy Gunn versus the New Japan Dojo dudes. That was the last one, wasn't it? Oh yeah, so that was the main event. Sorry, next up we, was Archie versus Camarado, which was just a hoss fight. Yeah, just big, big hoss things. Um, Archie hit the blackout on him, which was fucking impressive. Off the top as well. Yeah. That was nice. Uh, good, good host times. And then, yeah, the main event of the buy-in was going to Max Caster. Uh, Max oh, Caster's... You, you also forgot Swerving our glory vs. Suzuki Goon. Oh, shit, yeah. The four matches on the buy-in. Which was an absolute banger. It was, actually. That was, that was a pay-per-view quality match. Like, that was a really good match. I, I would have I would have just took, like, Swerve vs. Desperado when that got announced, to be fair. Yeah. But, like, there was, there was a good little story. Uh, Suzuki Goon working over Keith Lee's knee. Um, using... Fuckery to just isolate Keith. There was an awesome spot, like at the end of the match, that took which, which was what Swerve used to take out um, Desperado. So Kanemaru spat whiskey in Keith Lee's eyes, and then Swerve like he trips Desperado, super kicks him, and then Desperado. So Desperado's feet are like hooked on the bottom rope, and then hits a double stump on him. Yeah, oh, that was lovely. And then yeah, so, yeah, so just to give you, he was, he was on the outside, wasn't he, Desperado? As yeah. he fell, he, he caught his bottom feet on the ropes. So he was like sort of leaning back and then he just dove over the top and like double stomped him to the outside, which he was did, nonsense. Like, he did it all in like one fluid motion. Like I, was, I could have watched Swerve and Desperado go all day. They were so good together. Yeah. I, again, someone I'd love to see go in like best of the Super Juniors is Swerve. Mm. I think He's, Swerve. Like, did he want- no, one, no one does what he does, like the way he does it. No. I, I think. I think Swerve's like definitely a future, if not world champion, at least TNT. For all he's, a, he's a future big player in this company, like for certain. Yeah, like the the thing that AW, with AW is that all the championships, like obviously the TNT titles, like back in like a rebuilding phase at the moment, but all the championships are there to like mean something. Yeah, like if, if you hold a championship in AW, you're perceived as like a big time player. I think Swerve's going to hold some championship in AEW. Oh, yeah. I, I could see him being, as I say, I could see him being the world champion, but that's just me. But mm. he's, he's definitely got it. Fun. 
Oh, he's he's got it in spades, mate. He's so fucking good. Pity's going to get pulled for that progress show, isn't it? For uh, Ring of Honor. Absolutely. Uh, right then, main events. As you said, main events of the pre-show, we had uh, the entire Gun Club, including Daddy Ass and Max Caster, versus the New Japan Dojo. Some choice Max Caster rap lines about um, they're going to call him Senpai, and they were sat in the dojo watching hentai. Yeah, I quite liked. Um, so he was going to put four more on the injury list. Just <laughs> uh, and then after, straight after that, Danhausen shows up and plays the Ass Boys music. Yes, the uh, the two minutes to late night, plus the guy from God's Hate. Yeah, the Ass Boys song, which is which is incredible. If you've not heard it, go and listen to it. It's fucking phenomenal. Um, it's a actually a legit, really good song. Yeah, they, they um Spotify and Apple Music this week actually. Oh nice. The YouTube video is great as well. They've got Danhausen doing like weird dancing. Yeah, Danhausen twerking. Yeah. And so the Ass Boys run off to kind of find him and beat him up, leaving Billy Ass and, well, Daddy Ass and Max Caster in a four on two. But it doesn't matter because Billy Gunn just goes into Raw Anniversary Show mode and just buries all the younger talents, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fine. He just goes full murder, Dad, and just kills everybody. And uh, Max Caster, he hits a fame asset and then Max hits the mic drop and they pick up the win. Four on two. No bother. That was literally like it was. It was like maybe two, three minute match, wasn't it? Yeah, they just bodied them. Like the, the one that went, the one that like went like time, and it was swear my glory. Yeah, that was that was that was the proper match inverted commas on the on the pre-show, and it was it was glorious. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. Uh, right onto the main show. Then we start out with Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki, a team that I worryingly on our prediction sheet named the less sexy granddads. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, versus the team of Eddie Shoots and Utes, which is Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shooter Umino, or Shota Umino, to give him his real name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shota came out with his Death Riders jacket like, in his hand as well, which was lovely to see. Did, did you see the picture he got with Mox? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just that shot backstage. That was nice. So Shota, just, he was Mox's young boy, wasn't he, when he was in Japan? Yeah, so when Mox debuted in New Japan, he basically did a murder on Juice Robinson and took the uh, IWGP US Championship off him. And then his first defence was against Shota Umino, who was at the time a young line. Right. Uh, and then Mox proceeded to just absolutely kill him. Um, and then <laughs> carried them out after him. And like then said, you're my young boy now. You're my uh, wife now. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then... He'd have uh, shows which is basically just like accompanying a mox to the ring as like as his young boy just carrying his yeah. bags, giving him water. I mean, I say so. Got- so, so I say this: the show was Mox's young boy because Jesus Christ, Shota comes out of this looking like an absolute star of this match. Oh, shows is fucking awesome! Like he, a, a lot of a lot of people, um, a lot of people when he went on excursion, which he. He did excursion in the UK. Yeah, he's he hasn't yeah. he just about he's just wrapped it up, hasn't he? He's pretty much just wrapped up with a ref pro, yeah, but he keeps popping up every now and again. Um and then I think he's I think he's popped back up. He's back in New Japan now. Oh right, okay. Which I mean he's he's got he's got his gear, so he he's got his own gear, so he should be. Um but he he's getting he's been getting compared to like the likes of Tanahashi, which you know. That says a, that says a hell of a lot if you're yeah. if we're talking about you in that in that breath. 
he really impressed this match. He, he did a lot of really cool stuff in this match. A uh, couple of real big highlights for me was when Eddie and Suzuki ended up just chopping the piss out of each other in the middle of the ring for like 15, for 10, 20, 30 seconds uh, oh, of, yeah. just, of just back and forth, willing each other to chop the, the absolute shit out of each other, which was great. Um, yeah. It was, this yeah. was a real hectic, like mad brawl of a match, but in a really fun way. Yeah, I, I, I think that, um, as you say, shows is the guy who come out of this looking like a star. Uther as well. He just, and you, oh god, Uther. he just he just conti- every time every time he wrestles, he just continues to to build his 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 pedigree, doesn't he? Like he, they mentioned that they put him over big on commentary, saying like he'd been to the best of Super Juniors and everything. Yeah, um, yeah, Uther's a real like star in the making, isn't he? Yeah, he's phenomenal. Uh, as is Shota. Um, yeah, I, I I like the fact as well that it took all three members of like. Jericho, Jericho, and um, Sammy and Suzuki to take down Shota to basically pick up the win. Yeah, so the finish of this match was really fun. So basically, Kingston and Suzuki just get into a, a massive fight on the outside, and they're just not stopping for anybody. So they're effectively taking each other out of the competition because they're just battering each other outside. Which is, yeah, they're just going to fight forever, effectively. Until until uh, Suzuki, which was pretty much how we like foresaw it going as well. To be fair, yeah. But then Suzuki does hit a pile driver on Eddie on the floor and then comes back in. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a cool bit as well where Shooter put Jericho in the walls and then Sammy ran in and just kicked him in the head and he just kept it on. Yeah, he's just no sold it. <laughs> well, that, that was that was pretty much the finish, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Is that like Shooter's got Jericho in, in the, a Boston Crab? Um, Guevara uh, and Suzuki come and break it up and then Jericho. Uh, Hit Shota with the Judas effect to pick up the win, and the way they did it was really cool. So like, Shota sort of like beat off, pun intended, um, Suzuki and Guevara, and then he turned back to face Jericho. And as he turned around, they they, they timed it really. As soon as he turned around, he just ate the Judas effect like straight away. Yeah. Um. What was an, what was a nice touch as well? Um. Just for anyone who's unaware, so the whole thing with the young lions is they've got it. Basically, it it's down to like the fundamentals. So they've all got a wear like the same gear so like yeah they were, they were like the plain black trunks we should we saw it on the pre-show like three of the guys in the pre-show match were young lines weren't they they were just wearing plain boots plain trunks um yeah the the four the four new la dojo guys so it was all just black trunks black boots now one uh, guy one guy was wearing like his own gear which is dkc was he yeah he was wearing he had like bits of white he had white boots on he had bits of white on his trunks i thought coughlin would have well, someone like, I can't remember who it was, but one of the, one of them the had like, actual gear. Gotham. Possibly. Um, he's like starting to kind of come into his own. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the other thing is as well, they have like a set move set that they're allowed to use. Mm. Just essentially the fundamentals and the majority of them, the finisher is like the Boston Crab. Right. Because quintessential wrestling hold. So just teaching them like the basics, making sure they're, they're, they're solid in the foot, like you say, the fundamentals. Yeah, like, so yeah the it's like... Yeah, it's like their the whole philosophy is you iron up the fundamentals first, then you go on excursion and you like kind of like you learn. Like, so you learn. Like, so if you're in the UK, you'll learn like um, catch catch can. If you go to like Mexico, you learn a bit more like lucha stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, precisely. Um, so, so basically, you're not coming out of the train. You're not coming straight out of the out of the dojo and being like, right, I'm going to do a Canadian destroyer. Like, no, fuck off. You're going to do like a fucking sharpshooter for the first like two years of your career. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, you you've got it. 
as I say. So that, that's why that's why shows are having the Boston Crab on and being able to kind of hold it on regardless of what was put on was like had like that kind of an emphasis. Yeah, because he's like pra- he's like perfected that move. Basically, he's like he's so he's so yeah. good at doing it that he's able to, to yeah. do it that way. He's arguably as good at that move as Jericho is. Was the point they were trying to make? Yeah, which they did a really good job too. Because I thought at one point I thought fucking hell, Jericho's going to tie it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right then. Moving on to the second match, we had. I mean, I I, I didn't see this going on second. Um, the four way match, or sorry, the three way tag match for, for winner take all. Rapongi Vice versus Jeff Cobb and Great Khan versus FTR. The IDGP and like, I thought this was going to be like where um, the Zack Sabre Jr. match was. Yeah, but they, they, they obviously wanted to start real strong. Um, and also, a lot of people said, we'll, we'll talk about this a bit as we go on, but a lot of people said this was booked very like much like a New Japan show in that they got all the multi man matches like out the way in one go. Yeah, that, that's that's a very like good point. Um, that's generally with New Japan pay views, they'll start with like all the multi man stuff just to kind of like get the crowd going. So that because when- the singles matches have, normally have like the big stakes, don't they? Like they're like the big personal like rivalries and, and sort of stuff like that. Yeah. So when they get to like the singles matches, it's like the crowd ready. And it kind of worked a lot better as well with how they structured the comedy team as well because JR didn't come out until like all the big multi man matches were out the way, which probably suits his commentary style a lot better him just doing the big singles matches yeah agreed uh, yeah this match was this match was a fucking riot it was so good uh, four minutes in uh, Dax has got a shoulder injury and I had the most concern <laughs> like I, yeah. I I bought this so hard I thought this was a, this was a huge injury yeah I, it's it's been revealed that it was and it's just Dax is really good at his job wasn't so it? this was I think this is a reference to Ricky Morton, who did something like this, didn't he, quite famously? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you, you, know, yeah. da- you know, Dax is basically just the, the biggest Ricky Morton fanboy walking, so. <laughs> just, just, yeah, like, that's the thing. Babyface, uh, FDR, just Rock and Roll Express, heel FDR, just the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Yeah. <laughs> um, what One thing I did like as well, just just a little, a little thing on him, I, f- I forgot to mention it, on Nick, on Cash's entrance on in the Jeff Cobb match, and then also in this match, uh, for anyone who's seen the Hey W, uh, the R- RJ City interview and FDR, and he's like telling Cash how to be a better PB face. And he goes, You need to just go up and go, Come on! I've <laughs> been doing it every entrance since. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so t- um, as Dax left, he, because before he, he went down with the injury, he, as he went down with the injury, he tags in Cash. And Cash basically just gets annihilated. He just gets worked over by everybody. Great O'Conn smashing him everywhere. Um, he starts bleeding from the mouth, I think, Cash. Yeah. Because I think that was when O'Conn was like slamming him into the turnbuckle. Yeah, Cobb also made them with the Warriors. Yeah, oh, God, that was... That was I, I got the. I, I honestly had the fear because I picked the, I picked FTR to win it all here. How's the day? There's a point... There's a point later on in the match where Rapongi Vice hits strong zero, which is far too early. You see them hit it, you're like, all right, that's, they've shot their shot now that they're out. Uh, they hit strong zero, and it looks for like for a second that it's going to be enough. And then out of absolutely nowhere, like best in the business, Cash Wheeler just dives in from the side of the screen and breaks it up at the last second. Yeah. I, I, one thing I did like was um, like 
that there was a there was a bit. It was just after Dax came back down to the ring, where um, so like Rocky and uh, Dax and Trent and Rocky and Cash were t- like hitting their double each res- team respective double team moves, but like together mm. on like uh, Cobb and Ocon, um, just kind of identifying that like Jeff Cobb and Great Ocon like the two big lads. Yeah, well, because didn't Trent help with a mind breaker, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, which was cool. Uh, yeah, Dax does come back with his shoulder taped up and then proceeds to hit like three German suplexes on Jeff Cobb in a row. And it's like, all right, okay. Yeah. Um, Dax Harwood is made of fucking steel. Yeah. That, oh, it's just so good, wasn't it? Um, and I, 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 I absolutely like pop like a motherfucker when uh, FTR. <laughs> a bad murder on Rocky. So, right, I love Rocky Romero. I think he's a really nice guy. I jumped out of my seat when they just big-rigged his soul out of his body for the finish. Yeah. Uh, Seven-star FDR. I, like, like, me and Sarah, like, legitimately, without looking at each other, we both punched the air and said, yeah. Like, we both, like, screamed when, when, right. when FDR won. We're, we're absolutely getting winner-takes-all the books versus FTR, aren't we? We're going to have to get FTR another manager just to carry their fucking belts. Danhausen? Yeah, just, like, he couldn't carry, you can't carry, like, eight belts. Look at the size of him. Yeah, he could. He's fine. You have to get big, uh, Paul White, like, four-inch arm, just stand there, <laughs> like, a, like a fucking uh, washing line. Just just have Danhausen with, like, uh, like, one of those, like, ice cream, like, van bike things. <laughs> And he can just put all he can just hang all the belts off it. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, this match was excellent. Uh, FTR with the the best big rig I think they've ever hit. It looked like for me, if it, it happened, it took like five minutes for him to fall down. And like oh, as soon as soon as he hit it, I looked around the ring and like there's no one in the ring. This is it. They're doing it. <laughs> I just got, I was so excited. Yeah. Yes, and again, the, the thing I love about FTR is like that they've got like they've got the psychology and the fundamentals down so well. As soon as they hit the big rig, Dax goes for the cover and Cash instinctively just gets up and like does like a, a mental check around the ring and sees if anyone's coming in. Yeah. Um. One thing I'm really excited about about this is that it probably means that FTR are going to be in the World Tag League. Yes. Uh, so we said, didn't we? Like we said, do you reckon? Because um, uh, you know the Empire only won the belts back at Dominion, and mm. I was saying, do you think they'd be happy putting the belts straight into FTR? And obviously, as you said, the tag, the tag, the division in New Japan is so shit right now. Like they need FDR. Yeah. Like I say that they've got they've got a perfectly good fucking Aussie open there as we've established. I know, but like coming into Dominion, it was like I, fucking it was like Chase I, Owens and Bad Luck Farley with the fucking tag tag, tag champs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on, mate! I, come on. I get the feeling that at Wrestle Kingdom we could get. FTR versus Aussie Open. I'd, I'd like that. I'd like that quite a lot. Or if not Wrestle Kingdom, um, if because as we were saying that potentially we're getting Forbidden Door two later in the year, if it can be ironed out, that just do it there. Yeah, uh, just got to give a special shout out as well to the fucking crowd pop when Dax came back because like the, the, the crowd saw him before the camera yeah. did and the the noise like everyone stood up, turned looked down the ramp. The noise was unbelievable, and that, that I mean the, the match never really sagged, but when Dax came back, it really went into full gear. Like it fucking flew as soon as he came back. Yeah, that that's one criticism I kind of 
I, I say criticism, criticism and praise. I had for this was the camera work on the entrances. It was kind of like, remember when AJ Styles debuted in the Royal Rumble and he'd shown like the crowd reaction and Roman's reaction. Yeah. But they didn't show who was actually coming down. It was like that. They did it with uh, Claudio's entrance and they did it when um, something else happened. And at both times, I was just like, I think I think they wanted to show the crowd first, almost like build a bit more anticipation for like for the audience at home because like they showed the crowd very deliberately, and then because the commentary team didn't mention like it straight away, and then it wasn't until they cut back to like the actual ramp that the commentary team started talking about it. Yeah. Uh, right then, next up, uh, we had a wild Juice Robinson appeared backstage with Jay White, and he was basically talking about. Um, he had, the, he had the US title with him, didn't he? And then Jay Riker said he's going to win. So, yeah, fair. Yeah. Too, yeah sweet. They... Too, too sweet for the boys. Yeah, no season. This is for them. Uh, Clark Connors came out first for the oh, championship match. No one really cared, which is understandable. He was a late addition. I, I thought, for, for what it's worth, I thought Clark Connors did a really good job in this match. He really impressed me. Clark. Clark Connors looked awesome in this match. He was in a real tough spot, like because he was he was deputized for EGE, who everyone loves, and no one knows who the fuck he is. But I I still stand by my statement that I said as soon as this year went down, and I was just like, just pull Hiroki Goto into that because he was <laughs> been favorite replacement for him. Yeah. Connors did well. He made he made chicken salad out of chicken shit, which Oh yeah. Oh, this, this match was great. This, this match, match this match was unbelievable. Uh, I mean, look at the four guys in it. You know, it's not gonna be bad, is it? Um, Miro like was just surprising motherfucker and everyone and just doing like off the cuff murder wasn't he M- Miro was just like Thanos in this match <laughs> yeah he, he was just coming in every now and then and just laying waste to everything and then just like alright okay everyone's dead now I'm gonna go and do something else there, there was a bit there was a bit where like Black was just Malachi was just kicking the shit out of Miro and Miro just loved him. Yeah. I mean Malachi is a, a big a big big lad and he's a dangerous man as well and like, it takes a lot for someone to be able to throw Malachi Black around and he's an established kickboxer yeah and Miro just knows all the kicks and like and they the sound out of them Malachi wasn't holding his back when he was kicking him there was a really cool moment as well so for most of the area part of this match Clark Connors was basically treated like a bit of a joke like he came in and tried to like chop Miro and Miro just laughed at him and battered him and, like, yeah. and then he tried to suplex him and he just couldn't. And then it, it sort of it told the story to the match. Like Connors was just getting bullied by Miro throughout this entire match. And then Miro set up a table on the outside and he was trying to put Black through it. And like then Black reversed it. And then he tried to put Miro through the table and he couldn't. And then Pac tried to put Miro through the table and he couldn't. And out of nowhere, Connors just spears Miro like, right through the table. And it was a nice little comeback. Yeah. Um, and, it, it, and then Connors like, rode that for like a bit of momentum. Then he was hot for like the next sort of five minutes. He was, he was all over the place, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I think um, I mean, it was a good way of kind of like of uh, quelling people's expectations of like because obviously everyone wanted this year and Miro just have a horse fight and just murder each other. Mm. We didn't get that. Uh, Miro, so, did say, Miro did say in an interview with John Sato that he, he definitely wants to fight Ishii and he wants to go to Japan. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I am. I, um, I like the fact that they didn't just like copy and paste Clark Connors into the match, so to speak. They, they kind of like they reworked they, they reworked the whole match so, so that it made sense because you can't give with respect mm. to Clark Connors, you can't give him easy spots, can you? You can't have him like fucking yeah, sending pack everywhere. 
but I like the fact as well that like because people were kind of like groaning and rolling their eyes, the clock Connors was putting the match instead. It was it was nice that they kind of as soon as he kind of like as soon as soon as he did like that big spot, it was like all right, yeah. He, he belongs in this match. Yeah, that, that was his like coming of age almost in this match. He sort of made it because he come back in, he hit a spear on pack, he hit his finisher on pack, didn't he? And then Malachi Black had to break it up. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, so the finish was really, I really like the finish of this as well. So Mira makes his way back into the ring. He um, he puts the game over on pack, which he, he just can't quite, he can't quite lean back to lock it in. Pack just makes it to the ropes, doesn't he? Well, he, he almost makes the ropes and then he pulls him back and he sort of slips out, pulls him back, puts him back in. Uh, Black comes in and spits the mist in Miro's face. Uh, Connors, Connors runs back in to try and do something. Um, Black puts him in an armbar. Pack hits a black arrow to break it up, and then hits the brutalizer on Connors for the tap out. And Pack is the winner. Yeah, I, I think it's well. Des- uh, we were we were talking about this way here last week. We we were kind of torn between whether it was going to be Pack or Miro. Yeah, I mean, any I- of these men deserved it. To be fair, it, it could have been any of them. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that I think Packett's just a nice way of giving him his flowers because he's been pretty much since day one of AEW, hasn't he? Yeah, and now he gets to go on the absolute warpath because they said this belt's going to be defended like in indie promotions and all over the world. And I mean that that, that promo he cut on bloody guts, fuck me. Yeah, <laughs> Pack being the fucking best. Pack's crusade yeah. of violence has begun. Uh, important to know though, this match was a shade over fifteen minutes, and they packed a fucking lot into this. Yeah, it was. As I say, it was fucking wild. It was really good. Uh, really enjoyed it. But yeah, as, as I said, that, that that table spot from Clark Connors was like the turning point in this match. It was when it went from being like three guys beating the piss out of this little guy to oh no shit, there's there's four like real contenders in here. Yeah. And it, did, like it, it did Clark a really Connors. good. It, it did a really good job of making them all all four guys look pretty good. I'd like to see Clark Connors do some more stuff um, with like AW and Ring of Honor. Yeah, he can be like Hangman's young boy or something because he's you know a little cowboy boy in it. Yes. Uh, right then, next up we had Sting, Darby, and Shingo versus the Bucks and El Fantasmo. I mean, El Fantasmo. If you if you think El Fantasmo is like if Nick Jackson looks like a dirtbag, El Fantasmo is like a oh, hold my beer. Yeah, El, El Fantasmo is like Canadian trailer park Nick Jackson. Hold my warm, flat, probably dirty glass beer um, because I'm the biggest dirtbag in the entire universe. He's he's had the he's had the same like warm kind of PBR since <laughs> like over from, from Japan. Uh, that being said, he's also very good at wrestling. Oh, he's phenomenal, isn't he? So at the start <laughs> of the match, uh, Sting's music hit and he didn't show. Yeah. So then the books came out with El Fantasma. They came out to the to the books music with the Bullet Club graphic, Bullet Club gear, tassels. Well, no, they, they started. They did. They came out to the books Bullet Club music. Mm. They did the whole like the guitar thing, and then it went bow, 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 which is so, like cop. Fun fact for you there. So that was that was real good fun. Uh, and then as as they're out, the lights go out. Stings up in the rafters. Lights go out again. Stings on top of the entranceway, and a 63-year-old Sting dives off the entrance tunnel onto the three guys, onto the Bullet Club guys, which was just nuts. Yeah, that was like what, like a 15-foot drop. Yeah, it was nuts. I, I love, I love the whole thing of Sting. Just every page you now just got. I'm just gonna jump off some really fucking high. Yeah, he's like, having it. He's having such a beautiful time, and he's having such a lovely time. 
part. I, he, he said a really nice thing um, about it, saying I like the fact that they know to like they know to treat legends in the sense that they don't they don't just bring them back for like something where it's gonna have them just have them either get like an a like cursory legend pop or people complain that they're back. Yeah, it's not nostalgia, but they're not bringing Sting back just to hit Scorpion death drops. It's like, no, no, if you want to do a fucking crossbody off the top rope, mate, you can do it. It's fine. And and the thing is, as well, he's there, like, more or less week in, week out, isn't he? Yeah. And yeah. He's just not wrestling every week. He's just, sometimes he's just being Darby's fucking dad. So yeah, they reference on commentary that Sting had a history in New Japan as well, which is cool. Uh, Shingo mm-hmm. did a lot of uh, a lot of the early, early heavy going on this. Which was quite nice. As he showed that, like, I'd, if you bring in like an ex New Japan World Champion over, or IWGP World Heavyweight Champion over, you want you want to have you you want to have him fucking in the match a lot, don't you? Yeah. Um, nice bit as well. Where um, was it? Darby was in the corner, and Phantasmo and Math had like a, a sort of competition to see who could hit the most elaborate back rake. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were doing like all like back like backflip shit over. Yeah. Cartwheels, um, backflips, all sorts. Yeah, it stopped. It, this this was prime New Japan young books, like where they were just absolute pieces of garbage. Yeah. Uh, but they but they also put the work in as well. Like a bit later in the match. Oh, they hit a more bang for your book on Derby, which was so they had they hit a more bang for your book and then Elfantasma did a moonsault on top of that as well. I'd I'd quite like to see El Fantasma remain in AW for a bit and just do some shit more stuff with the Young Bucks. Yeah, well, we we saw his last match, didn't we, at TNT before he moved to Japan? Yeah, which was against uh, Michael Oku and someone else. Was it OGMO? That's Michael Oku. Yeah, and who? Uh, was that the one with the war ball? It was, wasn't it? The what? Match of the water bottle where they threw it at the end and like he threw a water bottle at OGMO and he just caught it like instinctively, like yeah, in the ring. It was fucking awesome. It was one of the moments of the year. It was great. Um yeah. but yeah, really, really I mean he he really impressed El Phantasma is great and he, he really impressed me. Um Sting, I like the bit where Sting just no saw the double super kick off the books as well. That was nice. Yeah, I, I get the impression we're gonna get Sting and Derby versus the books. For the tag titles. For the tag titles in the in the next couple of weeks it, it's the thing is with um grand slam being so close to all out you, you don't really know what they're going to do at all out what they're going to do at grand slam do you mm. like true they could feasibly drag out derby and sting versus the books to all out and then have ftr and the books when it takes all at grand slam yeah um so towards the end then um earlier in the match El Phantasma tried to nipple cripple Sting and it just didn't work. That was fucking And then toward, towards the end, Sting grabbed El Phantasma by the nipples and like and crippled his nipples and then low blowed him. Uh, Darby hit a coffin drop on Hikaleu on the outside and then uh, Shingo Kibben just did effectively actual murder on El Phantasma. Oh, God. He, he hit the axe bomber and then he just Killed him in Last of the Dragon, didn't he? Right, so I've never seen him hit Last of the Dragon before. And like as it as it was Habak, he, he was looking for like a made in Japan or something initially, wasn't he? And then um he sort of like like 
rejigged it into the last of the dragon and i'd never seen that move before and sarah was trying to tell me was trying to tell me something and halfway through her talking to me i just was looking at the screen and i just screamed oh fuck at like the <laughs> top of my voice yeah he didn't fuck around with it did he <laughs> it looked like he'd actually killed him yeah i love shingo i, I really want shingo versus penta that's all i want yeah yeah, that so, was that was a, that was a really fun match. It wasn't it wasn't like a five star technical masterpiece. It was just loads of flippy, silly bullshit. Which mm-hmm. I am absolutely on a show on a show that was about to get increasingly serious. It was a nice little bit of brevity. Yeah, I I, I like the fact as well. Like with, just to go back to Sting, I like the fact that he doesn't. Give, he's at that stage where he doesn't give a shit what he's involved in. He's just happy to be there. Yeah. So he'll do he'll do silly bollocks like he did with that with El Fantasma. He'll do. He'll, he'll do like the crazy shit where he's jumping off the fucking stage. It's like, he, did you ever did you ever think if you had your Sting bingo card for what he's gonna do in AW, did you have in the same match jump off entrance tunnel and twist El Fantasma's nipples on like the same no. bingo card? I, I had I had definitely jump off entrance tunnel. I thought ah Sting's it's Sting on a pay-per-view, he's probably gonna jump off something fucking high because that's what he seems to be doing these days. But the thing the thing is, I remember when like when he first signed and People are going, oh, Sting's not going to be able to keep up. And it's like, yeah, that, you're all fucking wrong, aren't you? Yeah. Like, e- even even the fucking cinematic match he had was banging. Yeah, well, that was his first match back, wasn't it? It's was like, oh, shit, okay, yeah. maybe, maybe he's fucked. And, and it's like, oh, no, he's not. He's actually pretty damn good. Yeah, but it was like, that was like, all right, fair enough. That's cinematic. They, they can kind of, like, protect them and, like, hide his inadequacies. But then he had that match with Derby against the men of the year. It was like, oh no, Sting's yeah, that, that, that was like, the one when he when he hit the crossbody off the off the steps on the outside, and you're like, okay, yeah, no, he's alright. Yeah, it's like this is the this is fucking real thing. This is like TNT. Thing. He looks better he, now than he did at the end of his TNT run ten years ago. He he looks better now than he did in fucking the end of his WCW run twenty years ago. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't know what stem cell, soul drinking, youth. Stealing, tr- I mean, he must just be sucking the life out of Derby in some capacity. Probably, like you, who knows? Uh, right, but- move, moving on then. Um, we had a little interview backstage with Joe Trumino and Jericho turned up to like sort of show him some respect, but then he didn't. He just hit him with a fireball. Uh, do you reckon we're definitely moving towards a sort of Jericho and Sammy versus Mox and Shota? So I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna position eventually Jericho as a challenger for Moxie, aren't they? Probably. Um, that's not a bad shout, actually. Or Jericho and Garcia versus Mox and Shelter. Yeah. Because I think Sammy might be a, might be written off for a little bit now. True, yeah. We'll yep. talk about that in a little bit. Yep. Uh, right. Actual dead. Next, um, next up, we have the AW Women's Championship match, which is the first singles match of the night on the main card. Yeah. And what a match it was as well. Oh, it was so good, wasn't it? I, I, I feel a bit a bit, a bit bad for them because it was like the crowd were a little... Like the crowd, not really their fault, but the crowd kind of used this as like a, a bit of a reset match like for their energy levels. Yeah. Um, I mean, looking at what was left on the card, you can kind of understand why. Yeah, and it was, it was like it was an AW match. It wasn't like a... And AW versus New Japan. There was no, there was no like foreign talent in here. Yeah, because one one thing that I will say about this was that there was a lot of people in the crowd who were definitely 
more New Japan fans than AEW fans. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come clean, clean on a personal standpoint. I chose this point of the, of the night to make some chicken wings. Um, I was still watching the match of like one corner of my eye, but I was busy like dropping chicken wings and stuff. So I didn't see quite all of it. Not because I didn't, I wasn't interested in the match, just because, as I say, this was just an AW match on an AW New Japan show. Yeah, um, but it was very, very good. It was, it was very good match. Um, yeah, so very, very back and forth. Uh, Tony Storm was made to look like an absolute star in this match, as far as she kicked out of the Fire Thunder Driver. Um, she was everything Thunder Rosa threw at her. Essentially, Tony Storm was like kicking out of, um, and then Thunder Rosa eventually, um, eventually hits uh, the final reckoning. Dustin Rhodes' finisher. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. We were talking before about Thunder Rosa, like kind of not being that great a talker, in the sense that she just kind of rambles on about stuff every now and again. I wouldn't mind seeing Dustin Rhodes as a manager. Yeah, and it makes sense the way they're sort of like the way they're sort of um especially the way um Serena called him out a few weeks back and he's sort of getting himself involved into the women's storylines a little bit more. Like if you want to build to a Serena Rosa match again, then Dustin would be a nice way to do it. Yeah. I, I it, was, could, it, I, it was it was cool to see her in hitting Dustin's finisher. That was that was a nice little touch. Yeah. Um, and then after the match, there's a real nice show of respect. I don't think this is the last time we'll see these two wrestle for the belt. Oh, no, absolutely not. I think they, as I say, Tony took Thunder Rosa to the limit. She had no um, no shame in losing in this one. Um, yeah, really, really fun match. It was only, it was about 15 as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, nice and tight. Uh... 10, 10 minutes and 12, 10 minutes 20 has the official time here. Yeah. So um, short, shortest match tonight so far. I think it's short match tonight on the card. Uh, right, next up, we have JR coming out. It's business time for the final few matches of the night. Um, we start with Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy and for the IWGP US title. I mean, no bones about it. This is a lot of people who call this match of the night. I'd, I'd be inclined to agree. It was some of the stuff they did were, was unreal. In this match, it was we said before, didn't we, when we were talking about dynamite, that Rossbury and Cassidy have got this um, this chemistry. Yeah. Um, I I think as well, like this with this match, like cause, so, a lot of people, and I think it was a lot of people who were kind of not really AEW fans were complaining that it was Will Osprey versus Orange Cassidy. Yeah. I remember we said it was a bit of a weird choice, but it'll probably be like a banger. Um, and obviously the, there was the kind of like, it, it was implied that we were meant to be getting Andrade versus Osprey, which everyone, like from a work rate standpoint, everyone was like, holy shit, that'd be amazing. I thought not only did this over deliver, I feel like this is kind of like putting the argument out that Orange Cassidy is one of the best like wrestlers on the AW roster. Yeah, I mean, if you had any sort of complaints about A, this match being put on the card, and B, Orange Cassidy as a wrestler, look upon this and weep because it was fucking exceptional. 
Yeah, Mel- Melter hasn't given any star ratings out, has he yet? But... No, he's, 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 he's still collected them all up. I think he's going to have to break the I, bank for this preview because... I think he's going to have to mark down a few other matches to get some more stars on this one. Um, but yeah, I, I, I genuinely, I think this was match of the night. I think um, it was outstanding. It was a really good match. Um, so towards uh, the end, Osprey kicked out of the beach break. Cassidy yeah. kicked out the hidden blade. Yeah, which is very, very protected. Yeah. It's obscenely protected move. Like not many people kicked out of it, if any. After um after the before he hit the hidden blade, when Cassidy got that roll up, I thought that was it. Yeah. It was the most believable near four. It was so close. There was um there was the bit where uh Osprey uh, goes for Stormbreaker and Orange reversed it into a um, into a Hurricane Rana. Yeah, that's what I mean. Into like the little Hurricane Rana roll up, the pinning was... combination. That was lovely. Oh, was that what you were about to say? Yeah. Um. Yeah, the Hidden Blade kick out, and then I mean, and Osprey sold the fucking disbelief on that Hidden Blade kick out as well. He looked like he looked like he got the Nando's and he'd run out of fucking chicken. <laughs> um. Yeah. The the other thing as well, like. Fair play to Aussie Open. They played their parts like fantastically of just being shit at ringside. Uh, yeah. this Orange, whenever Orange kind of got um, the thing. But there was also really good. But they kept uh, it quite clean, though. They weren't like blatantly interfering. It was they, they were respecting the sanctity of the competition almost. Yeah, but also, uh, excuse me, there was the nice kind of thing where. Osprey was almost like overlooking Orange Cassidy because everyone else was kind of downplaying him. Yeah. So he was like, it was almost like he was like, I don't need them to interfere on my behalf. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, Osprey, Osprey picks up the win with the Stormbreaker eventually, uh, finally puts Orange away. Yeah, this, this was phenomenal. That was such a good match. Then, should we talk about the post match? Because there's there was there a little treat there yeah. as well, wasn't there? Yeah. So, uh, United Empire try and rip Orange's pockets out. Uh, Rapongi Vice couldn't make the save. United Empire beat the shit out of them. And then Katsuyori Shabata's music hits. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. See, that, that was one way, like when I was saying, oh yeah, it was a bit. Because they played the music and I knew the music. But I was sat with Troy, you didn't have a fucking clue who it was. So. He was like, what's this? I was like, you'll see in a sec. But like, it took them ages to actually get to the stage to show it was Shibata. Mm. Like, the fans knew, because it got, like, again, the pop for that was... Oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was so good. It was it was like an Akada pop. Um, but, yeah, comes out, gives everybody fucking pump kicks for the boys, goes for a rear naked choke on Osprey and United Empire help him. And then... Um, then Orange gives uh, Shibata his glasses and they have a little stare down. Yeah, love it, love it. They're friends so now, it's fine. Looks like looks like we're getting Shibata versus Osprey soon. Yeah, Shibata's or, in chaos, right? Uh, I think so. Or I think he's... Let's have a look. Does it look like the same video that Yoshihashi had, which was like the chaos video with like, you know, the, the sort of cursive writing? Yeah, I know, I know Shibata's is just there. Uh, Normally, the uh, 
So, Katsuyori. Shibata. Um, it doesn't say. I mean, this is a guy. Is this a guy who, like, in 2017, like, almost had to retire? He did retire because he had bought the car and gave himself a fucking hematoma. Yeah. Which is the saddest noise. Um, I don't know if he's in. I don't know if he's in chaos, but he did also used to tag with Hiroki Gozo, so that would indicate that he is in chaos. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah, he's a. Uh... Yeah, I think because he had a very similar, he had a very similar video to like Goto and um, Yoshihashi and everyone. You know, it was just like you know, like the, the sort of black and white with like the the name like in, across the middle, like cursive. Yeah, I mean, he, as well, he's forty two years old. He looks fucking great. Yes, <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited if we get Orange Cassidy versus Shibata as well. That'd be nice. Um. But yeah, we shall see. No, I've got I've got the chaos page up. I'll just have a very quick check. Um, he is not listed as an official member. I mean, it, well, the the thing is, he's the head trainer of the LA Dojo. All oh, right, okay. Uh, so him and Rocky are kind of like affiliated through that. <laughs> Tell but, you who is an official member of Chaos, then? Who? Sue. So is an official member of Chaos. Is Chuck Taylor an official member of Chaos again? Or? He is not. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah. So he was in October to February, October of twenty seventeen to February twenty nineteen, and then November tenth, twenty twenty one to present. Okay. So yeah. So, so a car, a car that little Kazu just fucking big league them. <laughs> I see. Um, yeah. Let's should we talk about the next match then? Because oh boy. Yeah. Let's oh, get let's get to get boy. crack on. Um, yeah, so this was Zack Sabre Jr. versus a mystery opponent, this Brian Danielson's personal, I, which I rewatched just before we recorded this. So Zack Sabre Jr. comes out, um, yeah, they, they put him over huge on commentary, saying he's possibly the best technical in the world. Um, no some music hits, and it's basically the 1814 overture, 1812, overture. 1812, overture, sorry. So it's the same thing. Yeah. Um and the first the first like Wait, obviously um, the first clue Mikey, is when, when they cut to like the crowd pops huge and then they cut to the to the stage and before anyone even comes out you can see the Swiss flag and you're like, all right, okay, here we go. Yeah. Um also Mike Mikey Ruckus has called the the remix of this song that he's made uh the uppercut swing for me. Apparently that was Claudio's yeah. pick for the name. Oh really? Yeah, of course it was. <laughs> was. A, a, a pair of dad jokes in a fucking title. Of course it was. Yeah. Um, uh, it also means we've got two halves of the party in AW. Yeah. Same, and both same. and both former members of um, the Real Americans. Yeah. Now, if. if do you reckon uh, we're going to get a, a new version of BDK? Or are you just are you just hoping for that? Go and get me. Go and get me. Where's Tuss hiding these days? Go, go and get him. Go and find him. Find whatever bar he's hiding and drag him out. 
I just, I just want one Ragnarok. Just one Ragnarok on one person. On Orange Castle, naturally, because it was always the fucking colony that got hit with it. So. Orange Castle must, <laughs> Orange Castle must be having like fucking trauma flashbacks. Well, so was Eddie Kingston, to be fair. Yeah. Um, which I, I watched that uh, thing that I don't know if it was you or Dan put it up on. Um... Yes, uh, it was me. It was Chikara, of course, it was fucking me. Oh, of course. There's about... a really good video on the YouTube about, I... about Eddie Kingston and Claudio's uh, Chikara feud. The big thing about it and the reason like Eddie KFAP hates him is because Claudio went to AW, it's a WWE before they blew the feud off. So there was meant to, Eddie was meant to get his win in the third match yeah. and Claudio left before it could happen. It's all right. That's going to fucking happen at uh, all those. <laughs> A match 15 years in the making. Yeah, but but also um one thing that I, I didn't realise from watching that, um, just not to get too sidetracked, but it's it's worth talking about, is um that the whole Eddie and Jericho match was literally a parallel of Claudio and uh, and Eddie. Yeah in the I the I respect you match. Yeah, uh, so uh, go, to get to get back to this match, um fuck me, this match was great, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, um, straight from the bell, Claudio just made this sable <laughs> fucking uppercut and hits a neutralizer. Yeah, uh, down. I, I'll be honest, as much as I was excited for this match, if that had been the match, I would have been okay with it. Yeah, yeah, I said to Sarah, I was like, if that was it, that would have been perfect in a way. But I'm glad it wasn't because Zach Saber Jr. deserves to showcase how good he is to a largest a stage. Um, Whenever he can, yeah. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah, th- this was literally just Claudio was going for power moves. Zack Saber Junior was like reversing them into nasty looking armbars and nasty. There, there was an awesome spot where um, Claudio goes for a uh, sharp shooter, and as he's like as he's going to turn Saber Junior over, um, Zach just like locks in a heel hook. And just like uses the kind of momentum to like just drop Claudio. It's fucking awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, just really stiff match. Claudio just throwing Zack Sabre Junior around like he owes him fucking money. Um, and eventually he he hits a pop up uppercut, a rolling el- elbow for the boys, and a recall bump to pick up the win. Yeah, I just want to talk about one spot that I really enjoyed. Um, before we move on, oh, um, it was when. Zack Sabre Jr. had the armbar on Claudio. Claudio lifted him up, carried him to the ropes. Oh, fuck me. That was dropped sick. him over the ropes. But then Zack held on and took Claudio to the outside. Held on. Claudio stood up, still with him on his arm, walked up the steps and got back in the ring and powerbombed him. Yeah. There was also just before um, Claudio hit the pop of overcut um, as well, where Zack Sabre Jr. was just hitting penalty kicks on Claudio. And Claudio was like, come on, give me a go. <laughs> It was um really cool. So match. and it was it was really one thing as well, it was really nice. Bryce was the ref. Yeah. I love when all when all the Escara people come in and Bryce is always the referee. I said last I, night on Discord, he, like Bryce is like unironically, I, Bryce is the soul of professional wrestling, and it's so nice I, to see him like I, Bryce Ramsworth big. What a fucking guy. For me, he, for me, he's the best re- referee in all of wrestling. Yeah, he's he's so good. Um, and, but there was like almost like there was an ongoing thing with Zach throughout this match as well, where he was like holding on to his submissions like past the five count because he's like, I know you're not going to DQ me, so what are you gonna do about it? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it was as I say, it was a really good, 
Um, as you as you said as well, Claudio looked fucking stacked as well. Yeah, how did he get bigger? <laughs> I know he's been training with um with Breeze and um and Spears, hasn't uh, he? Spears, yeah, flatbacks. Um, yeah, um, just, and also the the recall of Bombie hit. It wasn't like the sale one. It was like the full mayor, the one where he oh, yeah. just for just just to make sure, like we understood. Um, I did like as well. Remembered when uh, Claudio entered and uh, that jacked cameraman that everyone thought was Claudio. Oh, yeah, he posed next to him, didn't he? He was like, yeah. <laughs> that was brilliant. Um, yeah, that was fucking great. Um, yeah, it was, it was just cool. It was cool to see how over he was. It was cool to see him looking like a fucking huge deal. And like this wasn't the last time we saw him in the show. But as I say, they made... In one night, they made Claudio Castagnoli feel like the megastar that everyone thought he was going to be when he got signed by WWE. Yeah, it was nice that like he finally got like a big moment, wasn't it? Like he finally got like like a big, a huge pop, a huge entrance, a big match, a big moment towards the end of the show as well. Um, yeah, he, he deserves it. He's one of the cool. He's one of the nicest. I mean, you've met him. Yeah, Sarah's met him. Both of you said he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever hope to meet. He's a coffee enthusiast as well. He, whenever he goes on tour, he has his own. Um, he has a second Instagram account called Claudio's Cafe where he just goes and takes pictures of himself in coffee shops. Yeah. Um, which is beautifully wholesome. Go and check it out. Yeah, he's he's just, a, as I say, he's one of those people you just want the best for. He's a really nice fella. Well, um, that's what you'd have you believe. According to Eddie Kingston, he's, he's an untrustworthy bastard. So, Well, yeah. I mean, if he, if he does if he does reform BDK. <laughs> oh, boy. It has a splinter, like a splinter group inside of BCC. If that fucking cameraman takes his mask off and it's Aries, I'm gonna <laughs> <take it> off. <laughs> gotta, gotta just, just for those who may not be aware, Aries is not Austin Aries. Don't worry, it's fine. No, <laughs> it's Swiss Aries. Uh, right then, moving on to the um, four-way match for the IWGP World Heavyweight Title. Adam, so this, this, this is kind of weird. Adam Cole came out, huge pop. Hangman came out, huge pop. Okada came out, monstrous pop. And then Jay White came out, and he, he, he did all right, but like it was like, oh, and, and Jay White, yeah, okay. I mean, Jay, I love yeah. Jay White, and he's great, and he was brilliant in this match, but like he was easily the least popular guy in this match. But that's that's because he's a heel, and he should be. I know, but like, what? It's like it's like it was like kept, it was like oh, Adam Cole, oh, Hangman, oh, Okada, oh, Jay White. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I did a card. They get a card that books here. Didn't did he? No, no, there wasn't even any like um, gold confetti or anything. Those motherfucking young books. I know the a little bit of stroke politicking and backstage like no politicking, so we don't get a card of dollars because Nick Jackson's annoyed that a card that stole his gear. Do you know why it was as well? It's because uh, the books didn't get their entrance because Stink dived on them. So yeah, it's so like, right, no one's getting streamers. Like we're, we're having a word. That's fair. Matt oh, Jackson yeah. just under the stage, like ten off the machines, so, so they don't work anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. This this was a really fun match as well. Um, it was just chaos, wasn't it? Like pun intended. Uh, there was a bit where um, Adam Cole threw was it Jay White or was it Hangman in a card? He threw two guys like over the barricade, or someone was it Hangman threw two guys? Someone got th- two guys got thrown over the barricade by another guy who then like dove over the barricade and like wiped them out of the chest. A card threw um, Cole threw- and White. Over and then he did this charge and drop kick over the barricade. 
and just wipe them out through like nine chairs, which looked horrendous. Have you have you seen some of the ones you've done at Wrestle Kingdoms with them? Oh yeah. The fucking distance he gets. And a, a, a card has got one of the best drop kicks in professional wrestling as well. It's ridiculous. Yeah. A, a car that could also, if you wanted to, be like an Olympic long jump or triple jumper. Because he's yeah. just fucking, he can just get that much distance on it. Um, yeah, th- this one thing I did like about this was they largely kept um, Paige and Akada that are part of the, the start of it. Yeah. Um, well, it almost started like a two on two tag match, didn't it? And then it sort of broke yeah. down gradually. As, as like everyone, as, as these matches tend to, like as everyone sort of realizes, oh shit, no, there's a, there's a title on the line here. Like Cole, Cole was like, he was frothing in the mouth to, to turn on White, wasn't he? He was like, he, he yeah. couldn't wait. Yeah, and literally like the first opportunity that he backstabbed him. <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately, this match kind of just ended. Um, so uh, a car that goes for a rainmaker on Cole, Cole collapsed. Um, Jay White hit a blade runner on Carter and just pinned Cole and ended the match. Uh, it's it came out that uh, Adam Cole's got a concussion, uh, quite a serious one, as we can tell, because he, I imagine, he was probably meant to eat the eat that rainmaker. Yeah, either he either he actually passed out or he realised there's no way I can take a shot to the head here and just like crumple, like threw himself to the floor. <laughs> With the ver- velocity of Kazuchiro Okada hitting a rainmaker. Well, you could tell, couldn't you? Because, like, so what happened? So Cole collapsed and, like, Okada like, got blade runnered by um, Jay White. And obviously, the deal was that Cole was eating the pin in the match because they don't want Okada getting pinned. So Okada gets yeah. pushed out the ring. But then Cole tried to, like, shoot kick out. Yeah, he did. Uh, and uh, immediately after the match, um, Kyle Riley in the books and the medical team come and check on call. Um, yeah, quite a scary situation. A um, little, bit of, sto- little bit of storytelling even in that as well, though. Because, um, like, Jay White was talking to Cole and making sure he was okay. In storyline, the books go to check on Hangman first. Yeah. And Kyle Riley has to bring them back to get to check on Cole instead, which was quite an interesting development. Yeah, but also you probably could probably see, like, the other side of it is they, they might have just been like telling Hangman, oh yeah, this has just happened. This is why they've just done that. Yeah. But it was nice the way they made it like a bit of a storyline thing as well. Like a little bit of... Oh yeah, yeah. They, 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 you know, they're always working. Uh, yeah, hope, uh, really hope Cole is able to come back. Well, first of all, I hope he takes off all the time off he needs to because I know he was he was banged up going into this match, wasn't he, anyway? Yeah, he's, he had a torn labrum which didn't require surgery but obviously it's still, it's still a painful injury to have. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just speedy recovery to uh, Cole and both members of Red Dragon. Yeah, they're all on the shelf now. Yeah, and that's undisputed. That is undisputed, sadly. Um, but yeah, I, it's a shame as well because this match was really good until like the abrupt ending. Oh, it was, it was absolutely slapping a lot. I mean, so what was probably meant to happen was Ricardo was going to Rainmaker Cole and then Jay White was going to Blade Runner Ricardo and then pin Cole because he was like dead from the Rainmaker. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agreed. Because um, obviously there was, there was some politics here. So like under no circumstances was Jay White allowed to pin Ricardo again. Yeah, and I feel like, well, as, as we said, Cole was 100% there to take the pin. The protecting hangman because he's hangman, and I, I feel like that a lot 
a lot of them keeping Hangman and Okada largely apart was down to the fact they want to have a singles match down the line. Yeah, maybe when Okada's champion again and they'll do it for the title. Forbidden Door 2, Japanese Boogaloo. Rainmaker Boogaloo. Mm-hmm. Just one Rainmaker. No, just not, just no Rainmakers in this match. Just not, just no Rainmaker. You'd be pissed off if you bought tickets to see a fucking Rainmaker. Nobody maintained risk control. That's what can I say? And yeah, yeah, Adam Cole do the fuck Kenny Omega collapsing instead of getting hit by one. <laughs> but yeah, in a, it, in a way, it was like a nice callback, in, in, albeit inadvertently. Yeah, um, yeah. Re- realistically, I hope Adam Cole is okay. Yeah, uh, wish him all the best. Wish him all the best, speedy recovery. Um, and also hope that he can revisit this match down the line. Yeah. Um, right then, on to the main event. Nice video package. And then an extended... Moxie's out well, first. Well, Moxie's out first. Yeah. And he gets an extended entrance. He comes right out from the back. Basically looks like a, like a fucking tunnel spider leaving its den. He <laughs> had Regal come out with him for, like, for a little bit and then Regal just fucked off the knee. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I don't want none of this. It's like, I ain't got time for this. I'm, I'm not fighting through this crowd. Yeah, Moxie looked like Moxie looked almost feral at this point. Oh, he, he did. He's he, well. It, it, I suppose it's a match that he's been after for like what three three years? Three years. He's in his words, three years. Tanahashi has been ducking him for this match, and yeah, he's like chomping at the bit to get a check. Tanahashi's finally got him in his sights. Yeah. So Tanahashi comes up second. Um, this was so cool. So they had all night. They've had. A Japanese ring announcer as well as just Roberts, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. I love how like Japanese announcers have been calling out all the guys' names when it was in the Atlanta Atlantic match. It was just like pack. Because there's no Japanese translation for pack. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this this was awesome. So you had you had a big it was a huge match field. You had like the, the intros of the Japanese announcer. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, Mox and Tanahashi just beat the ever-living fuck out of each other. Yeah. Basically. Uh, yeah, this um, this was a really fun match. Um, really fun. It's was, it's credit to A, like like you said, the crowd being maybe a bit more of a New Japan crowd than an AW crowd, maybe. And also the incredible work of Tanahashi that he managed to get Moxley booed during this match. Yeah. And also, so there was like a fight that broke up the crowd like quite early on. So like everyone was like, oh, like chatting, you fucked up with the guy. Yeah. Um, and it was you could see Moxie was getting really angry that people were doing it. <laughs> it starts trying to kill Tanahashi, and then obviously everyone booing Mox because of that. Also, uh, we get we get like sort of halfway into this match, and then Moxie just remembers that no one's really bled on this show, so he just decides to bleed for everybody. Well, it, he got bust open the hard way, didn't he? Was it on the uh, the sling blade on the outside? On the sling blade, uh, the not on the outside in the middle of the ring. Oh, the, was it? Yeah, but like the the kind of like clipped heads, um, and Mox when they did not when they did bang heads, Mox obviously got bust open, and he bled buckets. Yeah, yeah. Um, See, are you sure it was hard work? Because he did roll to the outside and then came up with a lot of blood in his face. Nah, like on the, I watched the replay of it and like literally he like banged foreheads as he did yeah. it, like because they 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 look like the it looked like 
as Tanahashi was like slinging round him, Mox tried to also sling and he just swatted heads and then. I mean, at one point, like a couple of minutes after that, Mox he was like actually putting pressure on his forehead, wasn't he? Like trying to like trying to make the bleed and stuff. Yeah. So. That's what I mean. Like it, the amount the amount of times John Moxley bleeds, bleeds not going to fuck up something like that. Yeah. Also, in going into blood and guts, it looked like he had stitches. Yes, it did. It really did. So, um, I think it was. so the last like sort of four or five minutes of this match were absolutely excellent. They? Like it just it kicked in like since since like from when the blood started, it just sort of kicked into like a higher gear. Yeah, if um, that was even possible. Yeah, it was just um, Tanahashi reverse and Mox's finishes. Mox reverse and Tanahashi's. Um, there was a nice bit where like Mox was like locked in. Um, he hit the paradigm shift for two, and then after that, he sort of picked Tanahashi up and he hit the hammer and anvil elbows, and he's just there like screaming, hitting these elbows with like blood just pissing off his face. He looked like the god of death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the visual was the camera work. I mean, I know you criticised some of the camera work for for like the just the camera work in this match, like the shots they got of Mox looking like actual Satan oh, were unbelievable. Yeah, they got some really good shots of Mox in this match. Um, but fuck me, like that. The, as you say, the last five minutes of this match, it was proper like New Japan. The last five minutes, um, yeah. it was just non-stop. Uh, Mox eventually. It's a hits a death rider. Well, I, I want to just go into the, to the because there's some really cool like little little mighty moments in, in a, the, the ending sort of stages. So there's a bit like Moxie hits a short arm clothesline on Tanahashi, but he just no sells it. Then he comes off the ropes and Mox just fucking King Kong Larry just soul out of his body. Tanahashi kicks out at one. Yeah, kicks out at one. There's a huge pop from the crowd. A massive go ace chant starts up. Yeah. Um. Then Moxie puts him back in the hammer and anvil. Um, elbows, puts him in the he puts him in the rear naked choke, and all the while he's just literally pouring blood onto Tanahashi's hair, his beautiful, beautiful hair. Yeah, which is, which is probably more upsetting than the rear naked choke. Yeah, <laughs> and then he transitions that into a bulldog choke as well. Yeah, this is the bulldog choke. Another massive go ace chance. Tanahashi fights up to his feet. Moxie's ready. He's waiting. He's like he's just like giving him just enough rope, and then as soon as he's on his feet. Death Rider and Excalibur calls it the Death Rider. Yeah, well, that's the thing that the paradigm shift is like now. It's more like when he does the uh, paradigm shift. More when he does like just what what was dirty deeds. Well, it's it's the Mick Foley double on DDT, isn't it? Where you literally just yeah. drop. Whereas the Death Rider is like the so much Death the Rider. suplex, like the Brainbuster right. version. Uh, uh, and yeah, a, a hellacious Death Rider, and that's it. It's all over. Yeah, and then after the match, there's like that really nice visual of them both sitting in opposite corners, just like pointing at one another. Yeah, like in both, respect. Both absolutely fucked. Like Mox is still just like gushing blood. Yeah, um, and then we get the the go home to a uh, to blood and guts, which was really nice. Which was a uh, Jericho Garcia come out and attack Tanashi and Mox, uh, Kingston. Use them proud and powerful all come down. Uh, as does then Jake Hager and 2.0 and Sammy Guevara. And then Claudio's music kit, he gets a fucking huge pop again. Yeah, massive pop. Uh, and th- this was this is what I was talking about, where it's like it's really cool to see them like make Claudio feel like a, a mega star. Yeah. Uh, 
goes he goes toe to toe with Jericho straight away. Not none of the other fuckers, just Jericho. Um, pop he, gives, Jericho. he gives Angelo Parker twenty spins on the ground swing. He does. He also he also uppercuts everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a really nice thing where uh, Eddie's like after the matches after that. Eddie rolls out the ring and he refuses to be in the same ring as Claudio. And Mox and is just like, Mox is just sat there like shrugging, just like, "What are you gonna yeah, do?" Mox, Mox is like, "Come on, Eddie, come on!" And you get Eddie just going like, "I fucking hate you!" Like spitting on him and Claudio's go like shouts and go, "Watch your fucking mouth!" <laughs> um, well, I mean, it was it was a bit of a weird ending because like to, to use the end of a pay per view to promote um, a weekly show is not something game we normally do, so it was definitely different. But I, I enjoyed it. It had like it, it gave Claudio that big pop at the end again, which was really nice. And yeah, it, it sort of set up. I, I think it did a good job of getting people who may have been watching for the New Japan side of it up to speed on what was going to happen on Dynamite the next week, which I thought was quite important. Yeah, well, I mean, Dynamite's on New Japan World, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So it's it's good because it kind of it, as I say, it gives it gives an incentive for the Jap- the Japanese audience to continue watching AEW as much as it gives the AEW fans more incentive to keep watching New Japan. Like, I think it did a really good job of, if, like, wetting your appetite for a lot of talent who were there, where you go, oh, wouldn't mind, like, we were saying before about Clark Connors, wouldn't mind seeing him again. Yeah. Uh, Aussie Open's another one we've, like, kind of got more exposed to through this. We've discovered through the build to the show, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's I think it's kind of like mission accomplished. It helps both companies. Uh, yeah, I think this is definitely beneficial on both sides. Uh, I think everyone, everyone got something out of this, which was really cool. If, if it's something they do every like three to six months, I'm happy. Yeah. Do one in one in America, one in Japan. Maybe do one in somewhere else, like the UK. Yeah, yeah. Why Be not? Nice. Come and do it. Uh, hey, Anfield's good for venues like that. Uh, for for wrestling shows, maybe. Yeah. Don't want to do Graham Cosh, mate. There's no, there's no silverware there. You want to come to where the uh, where the most Champions yeah. Leagues are in the UK? Come to our field. Um, oh, anyway, bef- you might politic to get it at the Etihad. Right, before we move on to a bit of blood and guts, uh, we'll just very quickly match of the night and score out of 10 for Forbidden Door, please, yeah. Um, I'd give it a solid eight. I thought there wasn't any bad matches on the card. There was a couple of matches that I thought could have been better, which is why I wouldn't give it a higher higher than an eight. But I think as far as like Osprey and Orange was outstanding. Um the the tag team title match was outstanding. Um Claudio and Zach Saber Jr. was fantastic. Mox and Tanashi was really good. As I say, up up until the finish of the IWGP World Heavyweight title match, that was banger. Uh, or the Fatal 4-Way was really, really good as well. What, as I say, wasn't anything bad. There was a few things that could have been a little bit better for me, but that's, that doesn't mean I thought it was a bad show. I mean, an 8 still a, a fucking great show. Okay, match of the night? Uh, Osprey Cassidy, I think. Yeah, fair. Okay. Uh, I'll go I'll go 8.5. I think I'll go something higher because um, I'm a proper mark, aren't I? Uh, just the fact, I mean, how can you give a show with fucking a card on it less than 8.5? Like, come on. Oh, don't, don't. 
<laughs> I mean, that's fine. That's just my opinion. Uh, and match of the night, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have the tag match, the tag tag match, just because okay. it it literally made me jump out of my seat at the end with like pure emotion. So yeah. I am I'm so invested in FTR as a team now when they run and and more so Dax as a person. I think. Yeah, that, that thing where Dax was like saying about how he went from like dealing with anxiety to now he's like regardless one of the best in the world. Yeah. Was a little... He's just a, little... this this face turn has been like weirdly the best thing that could ever have happened to FDR. And I, I didn't think I'd ever find myself saying that. Yeah. That was very true. So yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Right. On to a bit of blood and guts. Let's have it. Blood and guts. Yes. Uh, right, we started out Orange Cassidy versus Ethan Page, accompanied by Dan Lambert. Uh, I like this at the start. So Dan Lambert uses his like sort of knowledge and veteran status. He gets um, he gets Chuck and oh, Chuck Taylor's back. Uh, so that's nice. He gets Chuck and yeah. Trent uh, kicked back, kicked out backstage because they don't have manager licenses. Yep. So first two things. First of all, Orange comes out to Jane by Jefferson Starship. Yeah, um, which was meant to be. Debuted at Forbidden Door, but they had a few problems with getting all the. Uh, it was like there was one right holder who they couldn't quite get the deal done with in time. Yeah, he said he had like, yeah, he had like ninety-seven point five percent of the rights, and like the final like two point five percent, they were just they just didn't get them like sent through in time. Because I think with Jefferson Starship in particular, there's an issue with like the band split up, obviously, and like the majority of the band own most of the rights, but like maybe one member who's not in the band anymore. It was probably a bit harder to get hold of, maybe. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean that, that was cool. So this is his new, old, new, old, new, old music that he used on the Indies. Yeah. Yeah. It is. yeah so, uh, so Dan Lambert gets the best friends binned off. Chuck teased it, and then they're wearing like tie dye sweat suits as well. Did you see as well that each each sweat suit had their face from the best friends here? Yeah, it was it was lit. It was so good. Yeah, so good. Um, uh, yeah, really fun match. Again, so the, the, the sort of story going through all this is Orange Cassidy's trying to body slam Ethan Page, but he can't lift him because he's far too hench. Yeah. And also Orange's shoulder. And also Orange's shoulder, yeah. Uh, and Ethan Page is just beating him for pillow to post. There's a really cool bit where uh, Ethan goes for the ego's edge and Orange breaks out of it by putting his hands in his pockets, which causes it to slip off Ethan's back. Yeah. <laughs> it's just super cool. Uh, and then the finish... Oh, the, the finish was beautiful. I love this. Yeah, so Dan Lambert has like that bottle of orange. He keeps teasing. He's going to pour it on orange on the outside. Uh, Dan's holding it, and orange just like he makes him flinch, doesn't he? Because um, he does like the kicks, and then he go, he like pulls back, and he looks like he's going to going to orange punch Dan. Yeah, Dan, and orange takes the orange juice and drinks it, and then gives it back to Dan, and Dan's like furious. Um. Ethan Page goes for um, like just to attack Orange from behind, doesn't he? Orange, uh, Orange moves out the way, hits two Orange punches, and then spits Orange juice in Dan's face, and Dan falls off the apron. The Orange Mist. Yeah, the Orange Mist. Orange versus Mordecai. Um and yeah, that picks up the win. And then, uh, well, he, I, hit, he hit an orange punch on Ethan and then almost as if the orange just gave him Popeye-like strength, he manages to body slam him. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, to be fair, Ethan Page like came out with this looking really strong because he took two orange punches. Yeah. And then a body slam just as a, like, to prove a point. Um, 
but yeah, it was, it was fine. I, I like the idea that like Cassidy powers up and he drinks orange juice. That was uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah, really good match. Um, I think I, I get the impression that uh, AEW are now just gonna because people are like shit talking orange Cassidy. I feel like people are just gonna be like AEW are just gonna be like, all right, well, fuck you guys. Just watch this guy have bangers we're, all the time. No? We're going to give Orange Cassidy bangers for days. Yeah. From Seth uh, now, so now Orange Cassidy's going to do five-star matches forever. Yeah. Um, and after that, we got a, that bastard Christian Cage. Oh, my God, this was so good. So, very quickly, the promo, he basically said uh, he's sorry um, about what he said the other week on Dynamite. And everyone's like, oh, okay. I said, yeah, he said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that Jungle Boy's entire family aren't dead. And he, he says, except for his mum. And, and then he does like a call me. <laughs> yeah, and then he says, uh, yeah, I did declare a match that I wanted the match. Uh, not for me, though. And then we get evil, spooky Luchasaurus. Yeah. Um, New music, very Kane-esque. A lot of fire. Yeah, it's, it's basically his gears, just like, essentially, just all black version of his... Normal Luchasaurus gear, isn't yeah. It? All the green's gone, even out the hair, like everything. Yeah, and the and the beard and the yeah. tongue. Um, it's almost as if it's like Luchasaurus after the uh, meteor hit. Yeah, it's scorched earth. And Serpentico uh, just gets the absolute murder. Oh yeah, full blown murder. Um, Luchasaurus wins with a modified snare drop with a nerve hold, which is yeah, quite nice. Yeah, like an evil version. Yeah. Um. Then we got Wardlow and Scorpio Sky. Uh, quick, quick question. Does this mean Christian's basically the new Sinister Minister? Yeah. Yeah, let's say that. Can we say that with confidence now? Is that, is that... Let's say that. Christian is the new... <laughs> is the new James Mitchell. I, I want Christian to bring James Mitchell back to AEW. I want everybody to do a whip around and get James Mitchell to officiate my wedding. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that, that was. That oh, was anyone cool. on the Discord, you heard it here first. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then next up, Scorpio Sky and Wardlow have a backstage interview with no physicality um, agreed to. I, I love that. So Wardlow is like, bring all the American top team guys, you're not scared. And Scorpio's like, oh, you're real tough when you're not allowed to hit me. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, mate, Wardlow will fucking eat your soul. Well, it's interesting that it's a street fight because I think Scorpio might win it if it's a street fight. Yeah, well, he, he can do the bullshit, can't he? If he, if he, if he needs to, he can be the boys. Yeah, he can have American Top Team, he can have Ethan Page, get whoever else he wants involved. Nice. Quite wonderful. Yeah. All right, next up then, we had Max Caster and... The Ass Boys versus Danhausen and two mystery partners. Yeah. Um <laughs> I like that uh, the rap where like um what was it? Max, what was it Caster said? I'm gonna beat up a juggalo or something like Cold, that. Called Danhausen a juggalo, obviously um the McLean Clan Posse are from Detroit, so that was very, very typical. I said something about the war. You, you also called Danhausen a white guy doing whiteface. <laughs> yeah. And said he's going to make him drink all the tap water in Flint, which is notoriously been fucked. Well, it's, I think it's all right now, but it was fucked for quite a while, wasn't it? It was. Uh, so we, I checked this last night because I, I wasn't didn't know about it, so I'll put it on uh, Discord for anyone who didn't know. 
um, it's it was undrinkable because of some bacterial problem for seven years. Yeah, which is yeah, not great. Twenty fourteen to twenty February this year. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. If he drinks, also Dan Housen's also from Detroit. We forgot to mention. Yes, Dan Housen's got the big hometown. He got a huge pop, like big hometown pop, and then another I mean, big pop for his for his partners. Yeah, well, he comes out and he goes, uh, "Yeah, I've uh, got I've got some tag partners. I think they're pretty good at tag team wrestling." <laughs> and then <laughs> FTR's music hits, and they got a monster pop. Um, I love how like Dan Housen was like counting on his fingers up to seven as well. He was like seven, yeah, seven, seven star FTR. <laughs> um, yeah, I also like on FTR's entrance that Kip Sabian was sat there doing um, air keyboards at yeah. ringside. That was nice. Um, yeah, this is a pretty fun match. Um, I just said to you, these, these two tag teams are going to have a five star match with Emma Line because the Ass Boys are a lot better than people give them credit for. And like they're getting, yeah. they're, they're doing comedy stuff right now, but like they're, they're going to become a really solid, like excellent technical tag team. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after lots of good tag team stuff, a um, little bit of fuckery, Bowens rises out of his chair. Yeah, that man can walk. It's a it's a fake. This man can walk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Danhausen curses uh, Austin Ass. Bowens rises, um, hits Austin Ass with a crutch, and Dan ha- yeah, and Danhausen um, picks up the pin. After trying to go for a good night housing with Dan Housen. Um and yeah, uh, then after the match, we got a little bit of dissension. Uh, oh, FTR and Dan Housen destroy uh, Bowens' wheelchair. Yes. Um, or the then, crutch in the ring as well. Yeah, and then there's like a little bit of dissension between the Ass Boys and uh, the acclaimed and Billy Ass. Um, and Billy Ass sides with the acclaimed, shoves down Austin Ass. Yeah, daddy yeah. ass, daddy ass, laying down the law. Uh, do you reckon these have actually split up, or do you think it's more like? No, I think it's more of him just like sorting the kids out because he, he, he yeah. obviously favors the acclaimed heavily, doesn't he? Like you know, like the, the vignettes. I think it's just him like berating his sons because they fucked up, and like the acclaimed, yeah. like the acclaimed can do no wrong, even though it was actually their fault. The acclaimed are the ones in the clear, and like, the ass boys fucked up. Yeah. So what's interesting is that it can go a few ways here. They can either have. It'd be a swerve and Billy and the Ass Boys attack the acclaimed and that turns the acclaimed fate like they probably should already be. Um, yeah. They could try and turn the Ass Boys face or they could try and turn the Ass Boys face and have them side with Dan Housen and embrace that they're the Ass Boys. Embrace the Ass. Yeah. Which yeah. wouldn't surprise me to be fair. I mean, any, I'm, I'm fine with any of what you could describe there. That'd, be, that'd all be great. Yeah. But that being said, I do want more FDR housing. Yes, please. Right, next up we have Jay Cargill versus Layla Gray. Oh, we did, we did have the um, we did have the video patch we mentioned before as well. Um, yeah, just setting up Joe versus Lethal. Yeah, Sanjay Sanjay was so annoyed that he couldn't even enjoy his pencil. The poor guy. I, know, I, I love I love the way he sat down and was just like Joe. You've not been to work for weeks. <laughs> a nice and there was just a, and this in this particular package there was a nice little callback. Yeah, Satnam at the end said Jay's gonna kill you. Yeah. Which obviously is a is a, a turnaround of Joe's gonna kill you, which is the popular Samoa Joe chant. Yeah, which is pretty, that was pretty I, nice. 
I quite like the way they're pre- presenting Satnam, where he just kind of like comes in and just drops a bomb and then fucking leaves. <laughs> Again, like the promos. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, as- yeah. Jay Cargo versus Layla Gray, pretty much a squash match. Jade hits Jade, picks up the win. Jade looked fine. There was nothing really to do, was there? Jade looked great. Jade, everything Jade does now, she's got this like I know it's not exactly the, the most you know taxing work she's doing, but she's got it down to a fine art. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Athena and Statland are run down after the match. Well, uh, after the match first, Jay, Jade's mad at Stokely. She wants she wants real competition. And like the story yeah. behind this match was apparently Stokely issued an open challenge at like eleven o'clock last night, or like the night before the rampage. And like the only person yeah. who responded was Layla Gray. He basically said that um, Athena and Chris Statland didn't respond to the challenge because they were lazy, and so they run down to, to get involved. Yeah. Uh, Still, uh, has a word with Layla to sort of help out. She, she helps turn the yeah, so, game around. So Chris and Athena. Um, one thing that was really good was as Athena was running in, Jade goes to the pump clip kick, and then like one fluid move. Athena dodged it and hit the ropes and then like knocked Jade down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, Chris has got like hold of Jade. Athena goes up for the eclipse and then um, and then uh, basically Layla like pushes Athena off the ropes and then like starts beating her. And then she extends the hand to Stokely and knocks Jade. And Jade's like, well, fuck you and just walks off. Yeah, Jade was like, the, the sort of sense was like, she was like saying to Stokely, right, I did what you said, I'm in, right? And Jay was like, fuck, now you're not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> and, they just, and they just leave her in the ring, basically. Get Sonny Kiss as a body. Yes, please, do that. Sonny Kiss that wants right a body. Get Sonny as a body. Uh, next up then, we have the books backstage. No one's here. Cole's injured. Red Dragon are injured. Brandon's injured. Like, they've got an intern doing the camera work. Ah, uh, they, they, do, they do as well say about, like... Like, oh, we've got, we've got, we do have that other friend. And then, like, Nick goes, yeah, we've got the belts. Yeah. Like, little tease of Kenny. Or Hangman. Or Hangman. They're, they're, they're very subtly teasing the uh, most Hangman. Because the books, the, but this pro is very much the boxing. Like, all our friends on here now because they're all hurt and we're by ourselves. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Uh, but the big takeaway from this is they announce a match for Rampage. It's going to be the books taking on Yoshihashi and Goto. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's one of them where if they win, they get a shot. So it's like a champ- they call it a championship eliminator match, don't they? Yeah, this will just be a fun match, won't it? Yeah, it's just, just going to bang. It'll be real good fun. Oh, you know, Yushigoroshi used to the boys. Uh, right then, before we got into Blood and Guts proper, Jim Ross comes out and uh, yeah, joins the commentary team. And they announced that on Rampage is going to be a battle royal for don't know what, the first challenger for Mox's interim title. Royal Rampage. Royal Rampage, yeah. Uh, and then it's Blue and Guts time, baby. Um, first of all, we need to talk We need to talk about Jericho Appreciation Society gear because they come out looking like oh. a boy band. Top, top, top. Um, so it's like red, like red pleather pants, a red mesh vest, suspenders, and like red fedoras. And, and Garcia are the red... Um, the red do-rag. Yeah. Which was it was just excellent. Everything about it was phenomenal. Uh, then the Blackpool Combat Club all come out individually. All the, the other teams, sorry. So it's um, Kingston with Santana Ortiz, um, Uther and Claudio, and then Moxley comes out by himself at the end with the title, which is pretty cool. Makes it seem like a massive deal, which he is. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, we get into really good regals and commentary. He says, um, he calls what Jericho's wearing a top hat, he said, which is apt because he is. I'm not an expert in Cocky Ramon slang, but I can imagine what top hat might be slang for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Regal on commentary the whole match. It's just an absolute that delight. Because it's gimmick infringement to Charles Crowley as well, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so Claudio and Sammy start off. Uh, Sammy, after a little bit of back and forth, kisses Ty through the cage because he can't not do deep kissing. Yeah, got to be done. And then Garcia's in second, Wheeler's in third. Then uh, Hager comes in and he hosses around with Claudio for a bit. That, that's a nice little little throwback of those two guys going at it, isn't it? Yeah, um, there was a We The People chant as well. Yes, there was. Very, very audible as well, very loud. Yeah. Uh, next up we had Ortiz, I believe. Um, yeah. Ortiz was next. Um, oh no, sorry, after Hager, was it Moxley? It was Moxley, sorry. So it was oh, it was Sammy and Claudio, yeah, then it was Hager they, and Moxley, that, then it was both the tag teams came in, yeah. and then Eddie and Joe came in last. Yeah. Oh, Mox just going full murder on everybody. Well, Mox came in with a chair, didn't he, and just immediately chose violence. Yeah. He, within like 30 seconds of being in the match, he's stabbing Andrew in the head with a fork. Yeah, doing, doing horrible things. Uh, uh, he Angelo he, was bleeding. Oh no, it was Garcia. He stabbed before Garcia. Sorry, first, yeah. Um, Angelo was in the match at that point. So he stabbed him later. Angelo comes in, mocks um, pile drivers. Angelo onto broken glass. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's when Angelo was like bleeding, fucking buckets. He uh, bleeding so much, like even from the power driver, there was like because he bleeded before the power driver, and then uh, like, I just took the power driver. There was, there was just like a red pool of blood on the, on, on on the mat. Blood. Yeah, and then uh, Mox, Moxie just had a piece of glass in his hand and was just like stabbing people with it. <laughs> yeah. It was nonsense. And, he, uh, he gets the um the bamboo skewers and hammers them into uh, Menard's head. Yeah, before that, um, Santana was Santana. In it? No, Ortiz coming then. Yeah, and then yeah. Um, he, Menard comes in he does the skewers onto Menard so much that they break yeah and um, because Menard like low blows them and Mox just twats them uh, and Mox had more just more fucking tricks in his fucking pockets like he, he had like a he had like a denim vest on he used to have more fucking more yeah, tricks Mox just had like weapons everywhere unfortunately then at this point uh, Santana goes for Santana uh, literally come in and got hurt as he came in like, so he, do, he goes for an Renogi doesn't he and like yeah. as he as he comes down, his knee, his left knee just gives way. Like it looks horrible. Yeah. Um. And then he's like, you see, uh, as soon as it happens, you see kind of like Excalibur said something about his knee, and then you see, um, he kind of just rolls to the outside. Yeah, he rolls um, like the far left. He's just trying. He's trying to stretch it out. He's trying. He can't put any weight yeah. on it. He does get up. He does get up once or twice to like hit someone. Um, yeah. Uh, you can see when he gets up though, he's trying to, like, he's trying to test the weight on it. And you can see after that he's just kind of like killed into a ball. He looks devastated. I felt really bad for him. Yeah, it was. It was. Really it was. Not what you want to it say. Was, like he got to do anything really in the match. He literally got in the match and his knee, his knee gave way. Yeah, like it was like the first move he did. Um, hmm. So then Jericho gets in and he's like loading it up and everything. Uh, and then so like the entire time everyone's been fighting. Eddie Kingston just been like shouting threats at them like through the cage. Yeah, those are really good. Um, there was a really good bit as well where um, 
it was just before Jericho came in, and uh, Yuta and Cool Hand Ange were like fighting by one of the cameramen, and Ange just turns the camera like covered in blood, and just th- like throws the cameraman into Yuta. Yeah, he gets and blood then, on the camera, and it gets blood on the camera and all of Yuta as well. Yeah, um, yeah, it was it was fucking wild. Um, Eddie comes in as the last man. He's got a kendo stick. He comes in and he just basically batters everyone with a kendo stick. Like, always nonchalant. He just walks in and he just, like, swats, like, 2.0 away, yeah. doesn't he? Like, one at a time with the kendo stick. And then he's, and like, he, he's stalking Jericho, effectively. And he pulls out a bottle of rubbing alcohol. Yeah. And which he drops, and then Jericho gets and pours over Moxley. Um. Oh, I mean, so the match sort of breaks down to this, and like this is when the match officially starts. There's like 20 minutes left on the show. And there's so many like cool, horribly violent spots. So there's Jericho putting Moxley in the walls of Jericho on thumbtacks, and then dragging him like by his legs through the thumbtacks. Yeah, uh, and then he Judas affects Mox into the thumbtacks. Yeah, at some uh, point, somehow uh, Angelo Parker just ends up. Outside the ring, hung I, upside down on one of the beams, just pissing blood out of his head. Yeah, well, him and Yuzo were fighting on the beam at one point, and then it just the camera just cut, and he was just hanging off. I was like, oh, fuck it out. <laughs> and then, yeah, it looked like it looked like he changed a bit of the match because all of a sudden it just all started moving to the top, but like only a few guys at a time. Well, before um, so before that happens, Ty knocks over your out and steals the keys. Yeah, and then she opens the cage, to which Ruby Soho runs down to sort of beat her up, which prompts prompts Taz to show Ruby Riot. Yeah, and they all just brawl to the back. Yeah, um, uh, they just take each other out backstage, uh, and then yeah, yeah, as you say, we start getting everyone climbing. So Jericho climbs up first because he's not learned his lesson from last time. Yeah, and then Eddie Clark follows him up like a serial killer. Yeah, um, and then as Eddie and Jericho are kind of just fighting, uh, Sammy gets involved. Um, Jer- Jericho kind of like gets gets like sort of backed away, doesn't he? And yeah. Ed- Eddie just throws Sammy off the top. Yeah, through and, and through and through. Oh, what you called it? You said, oh, you know, the timekeeper's table is like really elevated for some reason, and obviously it's because it's got a massive crash pad under it. So yeah, um, and yeah, Eddie's just after he does it, he's just stood there like a lunatic, laughing to himself. Someone said um, before they, f- they put a picture up on Twitter of um, the ending of Stadium Stampede One. And it was um, Sammy and Crash Pad Spots, name a more iconic duo. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then like, Eddie's like falls face down onto the cage. He's just laughing to himself. Yeah. And Regal's Sam- like... Sammy, <laughs> Sammy's, and to be fair, like when Sammy hits the table, it's amazing. Like the table's still there. So like even though it's a crash mat, when he hits it, like bottles of water just fucking fly everywhere. And like yeah. all the papers go all over the place and it looks like he's, he looks like he's dead. Yeah. Um... And yeah, then uh, Eddie's like crawling across the cage like a rabid animal uh, towards Jericho. Jericho's like on his on his hands and knees, like begging him. And and that, that, again, like following on from what we said about the hidden door, there's so much the camera work in this match. Some of the shots, given how hard it is to work around the steel cage, some of the shots yeah. they got in this match were unbelievable. Like that shot there, like you say, Eddie looking like the fucking devil's possessed him. Just like he literally, he's just dragging himself. He's got, he's putting his hand on the cage and pulling himself towards yeah. Jericho, isn't he? Yeah, there was one where Eddie was like face down on the cage, laughing. 
Yeah, and it was shot, but they they shot him from like under the cage, like through yeah. through the gratings. Um, at that point, I, if, if I could ever interview Eddie Kingston, I'd love to ask him like, what was going through your mind at that point when you're you Eddie Kingston are on top of a massive cage on an AEW show with Chris Jericho, a bleeding Chris Jericho lying like three feet away from you? Did you ever think that your life would lead to this point? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, they just it just goes to Eddie and Jericho just trading chops on the top. Yeah. Um, and then I, in the meantime, as Eddie's like finally about to like finish off Jericho, Daddy Magic comes along and starts like brawling with Eddie on top. And then Claudio does comes up and makes a save. Does the craziest thing in the whole match for me was yeah. that what the because, swing. Yeah, he does the swing on Jericho on top of the cage. But they weren't that far from the edge. <laughs> and he was like, he wasn't staying in one spot. He was moving like slowly yeah, towards the edge. So a teeter side to side. I was like, what are you doing? Uh, and then Claudio drops Jericho. He goes for a sharpshooter. Um, Menard breaks it up. And then uh, it's like Menard, Cla- Menard, Claudio, Eddie and Jericho all brawling with each other, aren't they? for a little bit and then Eddie finally locks in the stretch plum on Jericho and as he's got that Claudio locks in the sharpshooter on Menard and Menard taps out and it was just the visual of like Eddie couldn't see Claudio had the sharpshooter on Eddie's got the stretch plum on Menard taps out and Eddie realised wait Jericho didn't tap out yeah and then like Claudio's music hitting and Claudio was like, we won! And Eddie's like, well, I wanted to tap out Jericho. <laughs> I, it's, it's just like a really cool story. Like, I said to you, it, it was the perfect way to end it. Like, the way yeah. to, if you want to push that story, which they clearly do, and like that big build, because Eddie's kind of fine with it, but he, you can tell he's, he's trying to he's trying to be fine with it, but he's really not. Hmm. And, and like, if, if, you, if you want to build that animosity and that sort of like, you know, dissension in the ranks, then that's the way to do it. Yeah, and he, even on commentary, like Excalibur did a really good job of going. Eddie hates Claudio. He's not happy because he wanted to pick up the win. Even though Claudio's won, and like Claudio celebrating rubbing Eddie's nose in it in front of him. But not like almost like he didn't mean to rub his nose in it, but he was. Yeah. Like, like he was doing a lap of honor around the top of the cage. And Eddie's just sat there and then he goes to help Eddie up. And Eddie's like, no, nah, no, I'm all right. Yeah, this, then, this this was a, a hell of a match. I think I preferred this to to the first one. Yeah. This, um, this I think I think just, I think ninety percent of why I preferred it is just the inclusion of John Moxley and Eddie Kingston and Eddie Kingston. Like, who, like I said to you, whoever had the idea and wrote it on a whiteboard in big letters of just put Moxley in blood and guts deserves a raise. Yeah, I think for me that the part of it which was really good was. Um, was that Eddie Eddie and Mox had like a very different like element to it of violence. So whereas like whereas the first one was like the pinnacle and the inner circle, they're both very kind of similar sort of like sports entertainery kind of teams. The, the, the first one was very much like an old school cage match where like people getting like the faces ground against the cage. And yeah, like, yeah. This was just GCW nonsense. It's just Moxie's coming in and he's stabbing people. He's putting thumbtacks on the floor. He's putting glass on the floor. He's got a fork. He was- he, he's got skewers. Eddie Kings has got a kendo stick. He's got rubbing alcohol. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. 
um, yeah, I, I thought it was really good. I thought it was awesome. And I'm really excited to where this is all going now because, as I say, it feels like we're getting Claudio versus Eddie next. That's definitely if it feels like the build. Maybe for maybe for um, Arthur Ashe, maybe for All Out. I, the thing is, as well, I feel as though um, I feel as though initially this was going to be Danielson and Kingston. Yeah, nothing. But anyway, luckily you don't have to throw a stone very far to find someone on the Indies who already had a feud with. So. Yeah, well, I think I think they've got very lucky in the sense that like. It was meant to be. It was obviously meant to be Danielson in that role at the in the finish because well, they were like. Did, did you hear what like Tony Khan said after Blood and Guts? He said basically, well, I think someone said he basically signed Claudio a few weeks ago. Yeah, but he, he was meant, he was meant to, to debut at Ring of Honor, and because like Danielson was injured, they were like, "Well, why not just bring him in here?" Because he, he he can run the same program with Eddie, basically. And if if not better, yeah, it's got as as you say, it's got the whole. Eddie was meant to win in that feud, and then yeah, they've they've got that match that they never had hanging over the whole thing. And Ed, let's face it, the promos Eddie's going to cut on that are going to be fucking silly. Yeah. Um. And it also gives it gives Claudio a really nice kind of like big storyline to start with. Yeah, elevate guys further up the card. Yeah, it, it gets him right into like a top because Eddie's a top guy. It gets him right into a match with the top guy. You know, really, it's going to be a really hot feud, a really angry, messy, bloody feud. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be really lot for him to get his teeth into. Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, is there any point in, in doing highs and lows for the show? Because it's just up the blood guts match, isn't it, basically? Uh, right, so we'll just bang out some questions and then we'll let people go along about their business. Uh, so we've got a few off Sarah and then we've got a few typically optimistic ones from Troy. Oh yeah, very optimistic. Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> so um, well, should we do should we do Sarah's first because they're the, they're the slightly more um, yeah. joyous ones so first of all is it finally Andrew Daddy's time absolutely I mean I don't know if it's all about singles titles but I think him and Roosh are definitely going to go on a bit I of a run think, here I think him and Roosh are going to go on a bit of a tear and ring of honour yeah absolutely uh, when do FTR take the belts off the Young Bucks all out all out winner take all match yeah yeah probably probably in a cage um, maybe cage or a ladder match. Two, two, like two, two or three falls. Oh, oh, fuck yeah! Like uh, FTR DIY, yeah, do it. yeah. Um, will Daddy ask turn on his sons for the acclaimed watch Blood and Guts? Has she not seen it yet? No. Okay. <laughs> Is Chucky T joining the Dark Order? Well, he's back with FTR. He's back with best friends in this again at um. Again, watch Blood and Guts. But, I mean, he, he could be a spooky pervert, right? Anyone, anyone can join. Anyone can be a spooky pervert. Yeah. He's already, he's already been... A, you know, he wasn't very good at being spooky, but he was fine at being a pervert. He didn't, he didn't like being a pervert, but he was fine yeah. at it. He, he was good at it, though. Uh, after Alan Angel's leaving, will Tony Khan finally do something for the Dark Order? It makes me sad. I think we're going to end up to a point where the Dark Order is going to be Uno, Reynolds, and Silver. And 10. I don't know if you take 10 out of the dark order or if, I don't know what you do with 10. I mean, 10. They seem, they seem to have Silver and Reynolds and, and Uno and 10 being tag teams. Mm. Um, I'd also, inter- it's interesting to note, while nothing's been announced, Cole Cabana has took all mention of AEW off his social media pages. 
yeah, I think he's going to be more Ring of Honor going forward. Like he's he's not, like, got, he's like not he's, even got ROH on there. Like you saw, uh, there's, a, there's a punk issue with Cotler, isn't there? Well, yeah. Um, I, mean, I think Dark Order will still be around. I just think you'll see them less. I think they were, they were a little bit unwieldy when they had that many members and like, they, were, they were a bit too goofy. Um, I get the impression that Silver and Ten are going to be the guys who end up getting like the sort of star-making pushes out of the group. Right. I'm going to say this now. This is a bit of a hot take. And I don't mean this in like a, a negative way, but I think not wanting to have another leader after Brody has kind of kneecapped them a little bit. And I understand why they don't, and it's perfectly understandable. Yeah. But it sort of holds them back from a creative point of view that you can't really do an awful lot with them. Yeah, I agree. Especially because it's almost like he doesn't want to he doesn't want to split them up or anything. Like what are like all the Dark Order? I mean, I, we all we all love and miss Brody dearly, but are the Dark Order a Brody Lee tribute act? And if they are, how long do they do it for? And like what's the end game? Yeah. I'd almost, yeah, I, I mean, all of the guys, I, I'd, I'd really like to see, I, I would have liked to have seen Uno and Stu win the tag titles. I I still will hammer her. You know, when, when we talk about missed opportunities, they should have beat the Good Brothers for the Impact Tag Belts on that match then and done with. Yeah. So that would have, so they, could have, they could have dropped them the next pay-per-view to whoever. I'd mm-hmm. impact, that would have been fine, but I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. Um. That being said, I think... Sullivan Reynolds deserve a tag title run. Yeah, and then they're so, over as fuck as well. So like they'll be all right. John John Silver, like Dan from Sweet Chinwag, has actually got like a theory about putting the t- the AEW World title on John Silver for just for a week. Give him that, like, that Mick Foley tag their title ring. Yeah, or like a Mikey Whitbrook one in ECW, mm. and like just and saying like it. It would like solidify him as a star, make him over. He's like chop and change. You can chop and change that with silver or orange Cassidy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, last question, Sarah. What's next for Ty now that she's in Jericho Appreciation Society? Deep kissing, mate. Deep kissing all of the sex, all fucking day. Yeah. Uh, um, right. We'll go into Troy's slightly more critical questions. Shall we say? Christ. Um. I mean, this in what in what is absolutely not a leading question was Forbidden Door an overbooked clusterfuck that did very little for New Japan Pro Wrestling talent. I mean, uh, I I sort of covered this before. I'll go into it a bit more here. I think that's a very cynical way of looking at it, um, and I massively disagree with it. It was booked like a New Japan pay per view, which we both kind of touched on. Mm. Uh, Don't forget, also- this was an AEW show in America that AEW paid for. Yeah, first and foremost. And and also one thing you've got to kind of remember is there's a lot of people who who are part of the AW audience who aren't really that familiar with New Japan. Yeah. So but, this, but, but in- coming out coming out of this, Shota looked really good. Shibata looked like a million bucks when he came out for his little bit. Osprey looked awesome. Osprey looked incredible. Awesome. Akado looked awesome. White, Jay White awesome. looked awesome. Tanahashi looked awesome. And no one got the only the only team you could say maybe got a bit not buried, but didn't get like got pushed to one side was United Empire. Yeah, maybe maybe but, exactly, maybe, yeah, but, but even the trade off is you know have FTR to come over to Japan to prop up the, the New Japan Tag Division, and and there's already talk of doing a follow-up show in Japan, which mm. I'm sure will mean that a lot of... Like, the, the the thing was, they were quite smart with some of the matches in the sense that it was, like, some of the trios matches, 
in the sense that it was like a New Japan talent and teaming with an AEW talent, like Darby and Sting and Shingo against the Bucks and El Fantasmo and uh, Jericho and Suzuki and Sammy against um, Kingston, Utah and Shota. So it it gave people the kind of exposure they need without risking them getting like losses. Look at Clark Connors. He went into that match. No one really giving a shit about yeah, who he was. And he, he, had his, he had that massive turnaround spot, put Mira through um, the table. I, I don't know if Troy's seen the buy-in. We, we didn't watch it on the Sunday. So he obviously can't comment on like the Suzuki Goon match, which I thought was one of the more entertaining matches on the entire show. Yeah. And also uh, did a lot to build, rebuild Lance Archer for the New Japan fans. Going into the G1 as well. Got the G1. I think a lot of it was about, as I say, a lot of it was about introducing New Japan fans to AW talent and giving them more of an incentive to watch Dynamite on New Japan World. And a lot of it was about introducing New Japan talent to the AW audience who don't know who they are. Because one of the things that's very heavily criticised for AW is just assuming that people know who people are. Yeah. Or, but I, I think I think to answer Troy's question, I think New Japan got plenty out of the show in terms of how, I, it, how it handled their, their talent. Yeah, I agree. I think the Atlantic, Atlantic Championship is definitely going to be showing up in New Japan as well. Oh, God. That's going to terrify me. What, Pac just going, going Pac, straight? Pac's Pac, Japanese murder crusade. Pac, Pac just restarted his feud with Shingo. Yeah, oh, just, yeah, that, please. Yeah, all of that. Um, so let, let's move on. To, but, yeah, to the short answer, I think it wasn't an overbook clusterfuck and it didn't do very little for the New Japan talent. I think that's it. Yeah, so, well, well, as it happens, Troy's next two questions are about Pac. So, one, does Pac have a lengthy yeah. reign as first champion? And as, as the second part of that question, um, if the idea is to travel with the championship, who would you like to see Pac face from around the world? Pac, I think Pac has that belt for at least four months. At least. Yeah. Because um, he's not going to drop it. He's not going to drop it on his travels. It'll drop it back in AW eventually. Well, he, he almost, like, the, the promo that he did after... Um, it was either before Blood and Guts or it was after um it was after uh, like on the pre show the post show, sorry, of um of Forbidden Door, where he said where he was like, My name is Pac, I am a bastard. I'm and oh no, and I'm called the bastard. That is because I am a bastard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was like, if anyone if anyone's brave enough. I've got an open door policy, you know where to find me. So I think they're going to be bringing talent back. Like, I think they're going to keep talent coming in from New Japan for this match or from Mexico, or even from like UK promotions. Like, we've seen people from Rev Pro show up. We've yeah. seen people from AEW show up in progress. Uh, I'd like to see if he does it as a tour and championship. First thing I want Pac to do is go over to New Japan and defend it against either Kenta or Shingo. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to see Pac go to the UK. And is, is Kenta still on strong or is he back in Japan now? He's back in Japan now. I mean, Pac you... Japan would be nice as well. Um, yes. I'd like to see Pac go in the, to the UK. Um, someone I'd love to see him defended against would probably be... Ridgeway? Nah. Ridgeway would be good, but I think Ridgeway's got his hands full. Warren Banks... Although he is dealing with injuries at the moment, uh, Dan Maloney love to see Pac and Dan Maloney just go at it. Mm. Uh, 
and Darius as well. Uh, who, who else? Something progress, guys. Oh, actually, a WXW guy, Axel Tisha. That'd be that'd yeah. fuck. That'd go hard. Uh, or Maggots as well. Charles Crowley would be a good one. Yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of character work there, a lot of bastardry. whole yeah, lot of bastardry in that match. Like that. Um, yeah, I think if, if he does... And he, that's before you even think of like the US scene where there's, like, there's, there's guys like from Ring of Honor he could defend it against. Yeah, take, take it to GCW. Have a, have yeah. a go with it there. Take it, down, take it down to Mexico. Yeah, Dragon Lee. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be silly. Um, yeah, I, I think... I think Pac's just going to go on a big old murder tour and he's going to kill everybody. As I say, minimum four-month reign, I think, is what Pac's going to have with that. Yeah, I think, I think he'll have a good one. Uh, right, I'm, I'm going to think, like, when... Like, you can kind of gauge it, can't you, with the first championships, with the first champions, because usually... Then again, usually the first champion's only about a two-month reign, isn't it? And then they'll have, like, mm. someone... Like, the person who beats that, the first champion... Go on a bit of a tear. Right, moving on then. Uh, people spoke about Cesaro being a world champion in WWE. Is that still the case now in AW? Me and you had different opinions on this, didn't you? I might have come around a bit on this. Uh, but I, I think, think if he does... up tomorrow. I, thought, well, people... I mean, they could. They could struggle tomorrow. I think if you want it to be... If you want people to buy into it, I think it has to be as a heel. Right. Amy, I'll say I'm going to fancy book something. Right. Because we don't know what's going on with MJF. Let's just take him off the equation for a second. Yeah. So, Moxley loses against Punk. Eddie avenges Moxley and beats Punk for the title. Claudio turns heel, wins the Casino Battle Royal, takes the belt off Eddie. Yeah, I would absolutely have that. Because A, it means Eddie's champion, and B, Eddie doesn't need to be champion for longer than a month. That's the thing. Yeah. Eddie could win it on a special and then lose it at the pay-per-view. Eddie can lose it in his first defense to Claudio. And then Claudio yeah. have a fucking stranglehold on the belt for like six months. And then have Eddie beat Eddie eventually beat Claudio for the belt. Like down the line and have an actual run with it. See, I think if you do, I don't think you put the belt on Eddie twice. I think if you do that, you have Eddie beat. You have Eddie lose in like a three-way match or a number one contenders match to Claudio. Have Claudio want to win the belt. And Eddie take the belt off Claudio. Three-way. Punk, Eddie, Claudio. Yeah. Eddie's got it won. But then Claudio comes in. Claudio just comes in and like fucking uppercuts him into the sun. Yeah. And then just like pins Punk. That's that's how you do it, I think. That's that's, that's the play. And I I can get behind that. But I think if Claudio is champion, it has to be a heel, Claudio. Yeah. I don't know though. I think if Claudio wins the title, he's going to get a monster bit like half, isn't he? None of it's over Eddie's dead body. That's true. <laughs> None of he murders Kingston, beloved, beloved superhero Eddie Kingston. Well, and he, he he just he just renames a uh, Blackpool Combat Club BDK. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a I think there's a real chance that he does some like insidious little bit of work in BCC and maybe turns one or two other guys. I mean, even the, I think I think the, I think there's a scenario. There's, I think, hang on, I think there's a scenario where over the next couple of months we end up in a situation where it's Eddie and Moxley versus the rest of BCC. The Claudio is turned against them. See, the thing with B- BCC is that you've only got to change. You've only got to change two letters, and you've got BDK. That's the thing. Well, that, but also <laughs> when he starts also, doing the little the little crossed arms, there's also um, <laughs> there's also shades of grey anyway, in the sense that. 
Danielson's a heel, Moxley's a face. Exactly. Youth face. Just Claudio's a face. Is he? So is he? Is he? Is he? he <laughs> but Eddie King knows what he's really fucking like. Exactly. Exactly. If Chris Hero comes in, we're in fucking danger. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. goes up and just fucking gives fucking Ty Conti all of the murder moves. Yes, please. Yeah, right. Um, so let's bring us back down to earth. Uh, Troy's next depressing question. Uh, AEW does not need any more belts. Agree or disagree in your reasoning? Whoa, you missed one there. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. First of all, was Mox really the right choice for interim champion, ignoring Tanahashi yeah, being like, yes. Yeah, there's no one else. Moxley. I don't know. We spoke about it last night when we were watching the Blood and Guts. Like, Moxley coming out through the crowd with the belt. He never got to do it the first time. Yeah. He is arguably the most... He's the biggest successful import they've had from WWE over. Moxley and Kingston are like the two guys that I would have put in that situation. Um, but it seems a bit unfair giving Kingston an interim title for his, if he's going to give him the title. I mean, it felt like an opportunity to maybe do it, but at the same time, I, I if, any, Tro- if, any, if any won it, I'd want it to be the proper one. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think Troy's a little bit salty because he wanted Tanahashi to win that. Um, but I think the whole point of them doing the interim champion is that they want someone who can hold the world championship and represent the world championship on a week-by-week basis. And just put on, and, and like you said, Moxie's on, Moxie's on that absolute tear right now where he's putting on the yeah. best matches of his whole of his entire career. He's making everyone look amazing when he, when he wrestles them. He is the, he's the perfect person to carry that belt and just put people over whilst retaining like for the next like, also, six months. CM Punk's the, the top babyface in the company. Yeah. The, as I say, the only two underneath Punk at the moment for me are Mox and Kingston. Yeah. So, and as you say, Eddie Kingston should, it should be like a really big moment when he wins it. And probably, as I say, the throne Punk, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Or the throne Punk. Yeah. Um, and, and Punk versus Moxie when Punk comes back is a legitimate mouthwater ring match. Because yeah, as Punk said, he's wrestled Dean Ambrose. He's never wrestled John Moxley. Yeah. So, straight away, dream match. Um, uh, yeah, I think. I think Moxie was not only the right choice, I think he, he was did, the only choice. He did say ignoring Tanahashi being in the match. And yeah, 100% Mox was. I, I also feel like I also feel like reading these, Troy's not meaning to come across really cynical. <laughs> I think it might be the way we're reading I, into them. I think, yeah, I think because normally he does come across cynical when he says it to us. Yeah. When he does that, but I think he's we're, trying we're, to be more... We're, we're putting that inflection on it. Um, right, yeah, next I up... Trying to be more thought-provoking and we're taking it as Troy's being a cynic. Right, next up, AEW do not need any more belts. Agree or disagree on your reasoning. Uh, hard disagree. They desperately need trios belts. They need trios belts and they need women's tag titles. Yeah. Um, I, 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 and I'd argue they needed both of those belts more than the All-Atlantic Championship. Yeah, although I do think the All-Atlantic Championship is kind of their way of going, oh shit, we do need like another... But I don't think that's a belt you're going to see defended too often on AEW TV. Um, yeah, possibly. I think if, if that's a belt that's going to do most of its work at other promotions, then you can understand why they because it's not really like because the TNT and the TBS are like the TV belts, aren't they? Um, and if this is the belt that goes to like the Progress shows or the AAA shows or the New Japan shows or the GCW shows or the PWG shows, then you can sort of see, right, maybe we're not going to see an awful lot of this as a television viewer, but it's just going to pop up every now and then. So it's not going to see, it's not going to crowd out the, the mid-card like intent steal, and steal away from the TNT title. I'll, I'll wager 
thinking about this more, that Pack is going to defend that belt more in the UK than he is in the US. Well, it's perfect. It's not because Pack ever gets stuck in the UK again. He just goes. To, he, he yeah. just go to a North show, or he can go to a Cat show, or he can go to any show and just defend it yeah. against anyone, against their top guy. After, if you're listening to this, book Pack defending that belt on a TNT show against Dan Maloney. It was Pack v. Driller at, um, going off, at, at, um, or Pack vs. Dino, Mark. That'll be nice. Pack v. Dino, and then Pack v. Um, Driller, belt for belt against uh, at um, the last show of the year, Health Reserve. Cold in Hell. Cold in Hell. That's the one. Uh, yeah, and then last uh, question: Why does it feel like the wind has died down under the rose sails since we moved champion? Well, we've kind of covered this, haven't we? Uh, we we just covered yeah. this before. I think it's just because Jade Cargill's a much bigger star. Jade Cargill happened, and to the detriment of everyone else. coming and outshining the thunder. That's all it is. <laughs> to why, to, to the detriment have... of anybody in the women's division who's not named Jade Cargill, because you're not you're not Jade Cargill. Like a storm is coming. When you fucking hear thunder, you pay more attention to the fucking lightning. Yeah. That's what it is. I think she's just unfortunate that Jay Cargo's blown up so spectacularly and, yeah. and like and like just become so massive over such a short period of time that it's sort of like it's like we saw there, they sort of crowded around a bit. And and the fact that she's not as good on the mic and she doesn't have like and she doesn't have Stokely. Uh, and you could argue that she should maybe have someone if, if that's the case. And maybe she will get Dustin, who knows? Yeah, but Dustin Road. That's yeah. the logical thing to do. Um, so yeah, it's a shame, but I do think that. Um, right, that's all the questions. Yeah, there. I think that's it. That's that's the end of this monster reset episode. Um, just three hour long podcast. Little snap there for you. Um, I didn't even hear that. Um, but yeah, we'll um we'll be back next Thursday with um Rampage and Dynamite, and we'll know who the number one contender for Moxie's. I already know, but you'll know, and that's exciting. Um. We'll know who the number one contender for Moxie's interim title is, and we'll have all the good wrestles to talk about, hopefully, and it won't be quite so long. So, yeah, I'm going to let Jay go because I've had him for three hours now, and he probably needs to go and cook his tea or something. But, uh, yeah, thanks yeah. you very much for joining me, Jay. It was a lovely little wrestle chat with you today, and I've really enjoyed it. It's always good to talk about the Forbidden Door. Yeah, well, until Forbidden Door 2. The Forbidden Door is not quite closed because um, Yoshihashi and Araki Goto are still sneaking through. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see you all next week for more. AEW Madness. Take care. Enjoy wrestling. I will see you very soon. Goodbye. Hello, yes, Danhausen here. Danhausen has been summoned. You must love this podcast housing, the Untitled Wrestling Podcast Housing. (laughs) 